Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me here, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he is always the same. TJ, I think you have yourself on a different speaker or uh, something because you sound like you're in a, in a... Do you hear me better now, Grumpy? Much better now. Much better now. All righty. Gotcha. So yeah. Probably heard. You may have heard some interference then when we were <laughs> we were running the play earlier on. But but uh, Grump, did I hear you whistling? I was whistling. Yes. What are you whistling in the back? I was You're whistling a little tune. I was whistling a little tune. Oh, good gracious! Whistling a little tune. Fair enough, Grump. I'm happy. Why are you happy? Let me ask. Josh Bailey got benched the other day. That's right. Josh Quiet. Bailey did Josh Bailey did get benched the other day, and he's also benched today, ladies and gentlemen. Finally. This looks like the end of his Barry's career with Washington when they said, We don't want your ass back. Um, well, what the heck? Might as well roll the dice now. Trying to we'll make, make myself some money. Hold on, we'll make you say that. He's, he's finally starting to bench the geezers who've been underperforming all year. Like, did it really take you 45 games to figure out they couldn't do it? Anders Lee. He's, he's a marginal on the third line, actually, being demoted. I don't know. You Maybe don't know things why. are changing. Maybe things are changing for the better. Well, I, you know, that's that's always been a problem, right? It took 40-plus-some-odd games to realize that Josh Bailey was not playing well and shouldn't be earning an every-night shift. I mean, come on. We all saw that many, many games before. And, uh, you know... You'd like a meritocracy, best players play, and it hadn't been the case for large stretches this season. And we don't even know if that's going to be the case that we're going to – I mean, like we see this short time period, right, where, hey, Bailey hasn't played well, now he's on the bench. How long do you think that's going to last, though? Um, If guys are producing, why should Josh Bailey ever get in the lineup? He hasn't produced. You see the shirt I'm wearing, right? I'm wearing my Josh Bailey shirt today. Um, Why, you say? Well, because as I was saying previously, you know, I always used to wear it when he scored a goal and well, it wasn't getting much use. And so I figured, well, let's wear it every time that he gets a healthy scratch. So, I mean, I should be wearing this shirt out pretty soon, I hope. <laughs> well, let me ask you this now, Grum. I mean, if Josh Bailey officially gets traded, I mean, what are you going to do with that shirt, Grumpy? Or if he's no longer a part of the team, I mean, that shirt's not going to get much use anymore, Grump. Um, I could wear it like to clean out corners and dirt in the corners and stuff like that, you know, sop up spills. 
like a like if you're mowing the lawn, like a dirty like lawn mowing shirt or shirt if you got to do some outdoor activities and get dirty, that's the shirt you wear. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, stuff like that. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't do that honestly because this was a gift from Net Threads with a Z, so I would never do that. Um, but you know, there are other uses for the shirt. That's for certain. Oh man, oh man, that's what I like to hear. But thank you everybody for catching and you too, Grumpy, catching that my audio was in the wrong input. Glad we caught that now instead of mm, who knows, 30 or 45 minutes into the show. Yes, um, I usually try to blame me when something goes wrong on your end. It's still my fault. I just say I'd let you know right off the top. Um, but for those of you who are new to the show, welcome. For those of you who have been a part and always come to the show, welcome back. If you're new to the show, we invite you to stick around a while. Um, and uh, if you are new to the show, we invite you also to hit the subscribe button, to like on Facebook, and to follow on Twitter. This is a twice-a-week Islanders podcast where we go live every Wednesday and Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I know we haven't covered a lot of the games live. The games have been all out on the West Coast, and when they're on the West Coast playing at you know, 10 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Well, I'm not going to be able to cover those games that late in the evening, but we usually do go live during most games, as long as the game is not on a Thursday or a Sunday. If the game's on a Thursday and Sunday, we don't cover it because we have another podcast called TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. And again, you could find TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. That is in the link in the description below, as well as linked as a featured page here on the YouTube channel. Again, on that podcast, we just talk sports and shoot the shit. It's a good time. But you'll be able to find that in the link in the description below, Grump. It is a good time. Oh, There's man. a lot of good things going on. Well, let's talk a little bit about the la since the last time we had Phil on the podcast, which was last Wednesday. What happened? Um, we lost uh, in I overtime. Hope, I hope after having you know Phil on the show, everyone has you know, gotten rid of their Rip Van Winkle thing where they slept for the last four days. So hopefully everyone's awake for today's podcast. I, I was about to say, Grumpy, I just got done with a little nap myself. So boom, I had to knock off the fills, right? Did you, well, did you listen? Is that, you know, whenever you need like to go to sleep, just listen to Phil talk. <laughs> Out you go. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, we love Phil. We love Phil. Always we wake up three and a half hours later. Um, but uh, yes, Grump. We lose to the San Jose Sharks, and then you know, good girl. Yeah, we we played really well in that game, though. I mean, uh, you know, we gave up a couple of goals back to back, um, but I, I thought on whole we played really well that game. I have no problems. You know, you're not going to win every game. At least we got the loser point out of it. Um, but you know, I like the way we played. The game was certainly more entertaining than it had been previously. Maybe because Josh Bailey wasn't out there. I don't know. Maybe there's a correlation. Maybe not. And let me let me also phrase it to you like this. Now, again, Sorokin seems to be catching a lot of blame as of recent for his play. Um, and people are obviously happy. They're jumping for joy on Twitter. Thank God Simeon Varlamov is back in. Thank God he's back in tonight. This is the first time we're going to see Varlamov back in action. Go Varley. The first time we'll see him since the old Seattle Kraken game many moons ago. I mean, Sorokin made quite a few tremendous saves in that San Jose game. I mean, you talk about the beginning. I mean, the beginning of the game, right? He kept us in the game. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, it didn't even seem like he saw any of the pucks that went in on him, really. 
I was about I just, to say every single shot was either deflected or he was screened and he didn't have a chance on it. Yeah. But, you know, here's the thing. You don't want your goalie playing 10, 15 games in a row anyway. No, I, I've got no problem. I've got no problem at all with Farley coming into play tonight. Um, you know, this uh, all signs point to this this team being a seller at the deadline. Nothing else oh, for certain. What else well, can you do? No, no, for certain. Well, people are talking about buying Philip Forsberg or making a move for a guy like Philip Forsberg before the trade deadline. Uh, my question would be why? Why would you want to give up assets for somebody you can get as a free agent? You're not making the playoffs this year. Why would you give up assets when you can just sign him for free at the end of the season? I, why would you do that? What What people are worried about is that they're going to have another team possibly looking to, you know, first off trade and then try to sign for Philip Forsberg. If it happens, it happens. I mean, but you get this. Here's the thing. If you're getting this close to free agency, you're not going to sign with another team. Why would you? If you tr if you get traded to a team, you like the chemistry you have, you like the area on this rental time period, and they have enough cap space, and they can offer you the eight-year deal, what would prevent him from signing with that team? How many teams have the cap – contending teams have the cap space – to sign him to a long-term deal now. You're going to have to wait till the end of the year anyway. They're not going to sign him now. It's ridiculous. Why would you? And why would Philip Forsberg not wait until free agency starts? If you want to sign back with that team, that's fine, but you're certainly going to want to test the market. Would you? Here's the thing. Are you saying that we're a contending team? You said how many contending teams have the cap space in order to go do so? Are you saying that it's contingent on Philip Forsberg wanting to play for a contender? Is that correct? Well, a contender is going to trade for him. That's what I'm saying. Oh, here's the thing. If a team has the cap space, they really think that this is a fantastic guy. They they think, oh, here's if you're able to cut down a little bit on the cap hit and you can sign him to an eight-year deal as opposed to a seven-year deal, even if he waits to free agency, right? That gives you the upper hand. I'm just saying people are rumoring. And again, I'm not sure how true it is, but they're rumoring that the Islanders would be interested on trying to trade for Philip Forsberg before the deadline. And what they would do is they'd have the ability to offer him that eight-year deal. Think, think about think about how we've acquired players every single year. Every time we acquire a new player, we trade for them as they're on the exit of their current deal, and then we sign them to a long-term contract. We don't ever sign any. Hold on, wait, Grump. We don't ever sign anybody in the offseason, right? Look at Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Look what we did with Andy Green. Look at what we did with Kyle Palmieri. We trade them as they're expiring deals up, and then we go ahead and sign them to a long-term deal. Okay, but... That's not what – so you think when we traded a first and a second for J.G. Pajot and gave him five years at $5 million per, that was a good deal, right? I'm saying – what I'm not saying it's a good idea. And I, by the way, we're not – Philip Forsberg is not going to be a guy where they say just give us draft picks. They're looking for young NHL-ready players, unbelievable prospects, and probably picks. Philip Forsberg's a hell of a player. Hell of he a player. is. He's really good. I just don't see any reason why he'd want to come here. He'd want to go to a contending team. Again, okay. as we okay. mentioned, the only reason people they tie him, oh, Barry Trotz has worked with in the past. We've got brand spanking new uh, facilities, and we got Matt Barzal. That's the reason he would want to come. He wants to come play with Matt Barzal as his center. No. So, so he won't be coming here then, which is fine. But my whole thing is if a team is trading for him now, 
You're not going to see the Detroit Red Wings trade away for him now. No one is. If you're going to give up assets now, it's because you think he can put you over to the top to win a Stanley Cup. That's why you're trading those assets. That's the reason why you do it. That's what you do at the deadline. You don't see like the Chicago Blackhawks. Hey, we're all in for Philip Forsberg. No, because they have no shot. Why would they give away assets for somebody they could blow out of the water with an offer in the offseason? You don't trade for somebody if you're a bottom a bottom tier team or a team that uh, isn't going to make the playoffs. You don't trade for a guy like that. You just don't do it. It'd be mind boggling, honestly. You okay. think I've been? You Anna, think I've been tough on Islanders? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on the second, Anna, second. If you think I've been tough on Islander management now, may, let them do something stupid like that and see how bad it gets. The Anaheim Ducks have enough cap space. The Anaheim Ducks are competing for a playoff spot. I, I'm just saying there are teams out there that are competing that maybe say, well, fantastic. This is great. We can add him for the deadline, and we're looking to sign him back. Get, albeit it's a small handful, but still, I mean, there are there are select teams that maybe are looking to do that. But there's no guarantee you're going to sign him. Well, just like we had said before in the past, right, when you bring in a guy like Mark Stone like Vegas did, they already had a deal negotiated out before they traded for him. When we brought in players, we already had ideas and thoughts of, hey, we're going to sign him back. This is the deal we're going to offer them. I'm just saying it's happened before in the past. It doesn't happen all that often. But people are saying that we've got to be early. We can't go ahead and miss out on the rush because, you know, he may sign elsewhere where he's traded to. Uh, I don't see it happening. I, I, I just don't see that happening. I think it would be foolish, idiotic. We're not a team. That's this close to making the playoffs. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm telling you what people are saying out there, Grump. Don't don't direct this towards me. Are these the gladhanders that you seem to be politicking for right now? Not the glad. I'm not politicking for anybody, Grump. What <laughs> our job is is to discuss everything that is going on in the Islanders community and to say what our opinion is on it, Grump. That's what our job is. Okay. We're doing that, Grump. For the people who think that's a good idea, you're stupid. Maybe that's the nicest way I can put it. It's just asinine. It's beyond dumb. I don't you don't trade away. You don't trade away assets, considering how many do we really have. So who would go in a trade like that? Have these geniuses opined on who might be involved in a trade for this for uh, Phil Forsberg? Yes, they have. And again, this is I, just people. This and these, I, I'll just hit the buzzer whenever you if I think it's a an asset not to give up. Okay. Okay, well, how about we do this? I'll leave pauses because I, I remember it gargles up the, the audio when we speak over each other. So I will leave a pause at the end of each player's name, and I because I, I know which players you're going to go to. Just throwing that one out there. Um, people are throwing out names like a guy like Oliver Wallstrom might be involved in this deal. <laughs> a guy like Josh Bailey perhaps might be involved in a deal like this. Good luck. <laughs> A guy like Aturatu might have to be involved in a deal like this. I'm okay with that. Really? I think names are being thrown out there all over the place. I think it would be dumb if we traded for a guy like Philip Forsberg also. I just, I think it would be, you cannot afford to give up a guy like an Oliver Wallstrom, a guy like an Aturatu to have the chance to sign Philip Forsberg, in my opinion. Here's the difference between Wallstrom and Ratu, in my opinion. Ratu's still at least two years away from playing on this team. Phil Forsberg's ready to play now, okay? Um, Wallstrom is ready to play now. But you've said it before. We're a team that doesn't have a lot 
in the cupboards, the cupboard. So I'm shocked that you would say you'd be fine letting Atu Ratu go. Because Philip Forsberg is what, 26 years old? That's why. Because he's a young player, even if he's 27, he's a young player who is one of the best. He's, I mean, he's probably one of the top, what, 10 or 15 wings in the league, right? Wouldn't you say? He's He'll be 28 at the start of next year. Okay. So. Okay. I mean, if you're, if let's say hypothetically, right, he's going to be looking for a seven or an eight year deal. You're going to be having a guy like this signed till he's 35, 36 years old. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's taking a five year deal or six year deal. Certainly, if he goes to the market, he's getting seven years. He's getting probably the max deal, if not offered by the team he's traded to. He's going to get a big, big, big deal. And he showed he's a fantastic player. Fantastic. Right. And that's, that's the whole thing. He's not a JG Pajo, who everyone knows I love. Kyle Palmieri, he's a, he's a top echelon wing. That's what he is. Really, a really, really good wing. So I have no problem if, and if it's Ratu, I know they're going to want to give up draft picks. You didn't go to draft picks because those are eh for me as well. Well, yeah, you'd have to give up draft picks there too. Nobody said, oh, we'll give up a second and a third. The draft picks, I think, are just considered no matter who's trading, you're going to have to give some sort of additional draft pick too. And that's that's why I'm not making the deal. Because I'm not willing to trade any more draft picks for a guy who will be on the team this year, might resign, might not. We're not making the playoffs. You cannot continue to give up first round draft picks for some uh, for a team that honestly isn't that good right now. Mm. Can't do it. He doesn't. He doesn't make you a Stanley Cup contender all by himself. No. He does it. I, I think you you should, if you're the Islanders, sell off pieces, sell off, sell off, sell off. In all likelihood, Forsberg will be an unrestricted free agent. He will not have signed a new contract uh, before before uh, restrict unrestricted free agency starts. Wait until that time period and then make your play. Assess, number one, what type of dollar amount he's asking for. But that's you talk about players, hey, you don't want to overpay for certain players. That's a player... I would be willing to overpay for is Philip Forsberg. He's an unbelievable talent, and I think that he's a guy that could really help elevate and add a dynamic piece to that first line, a player who's got wheels, that plays more of the Matt Barzal style, a guy who can shoot the puck, and a guy who's not afraid to go ahead and forecheck like crazy. If it was one of the last two years where our chances were better of being in the playoffs and producing were better than they are now, I would say okay. Now, I'm not in for it. If you want to try to take a run at him in the offseason, I'm all for it. But I'm not looking to do that uh, at the trade deadline. No. Let me let me ask you this, too. And uh, I'm just opining on this. Does it bother you at all that Philip Forsberg is having a career season in a, in a, um, <laughs> in a contract year? Right this year, he's played 39 games, has 26 goals, 18 assists, 44 points. In his career, he's never averaged more than a point a game. This year, he's on pace to hit in 30 in 39 games, 44 points. He's on pace to hit what is a career total, a career high in goals, a career high in points. Does it bother you at all that he's doing this in a contract year? It does a little bit. You know how much I hate when players have their career years when they're up for contract. I mean, we're seeing it here this year, right? Cal Clutterbuck, when was the last time he played this good? It's a contract year. J.G. Pajot was really lightening up in his contract year. Kyle Palmieri, not so much, but he did produce in the playoffs. So 
you know. And it is, it is worth saying too, Nashville had been hideous the last few years as well. So that definitely could have had an impact on his production when you talk about it from a point standpoint, goals and offensive production. But it does, anytime I see a guy who's like, oh, wow, you've never had a season before in your past where you've averaged a point a game. Right now you're killing it. You've got 26 goals. I mean, the thing is, prior high in goals was 33 goals any season. I mean, you're talking about 2015-16, and you're on a season right here. You're on a pace to go ahead and hit 40-plus goals for the first time in your career. You're on a pace to hit yourself 80, 80 points, even though you were injured a little bit earlier on. You're on you're on pace to hit 80-plus points for the first time in your career. It does make me pause a bit and say, okay, you know, I need to make sure I'm definitely, you know, <laughs> dot my I's and crossing my T's. Some, that's what happens. Philip Forsberg, Philip Forsberg is an excellent talent, though. It's not like Jean Gabriel. Jean Gabriel Pajot is a good talent, but Philip Forsberg is a whole different level. So this is not like a ham and egg you're trading for that's only had one good year. I'm just saying it does cause me to think and take a little bit of a step backwards when I say, okay, this is a career year and a contract season for him. Yeah, he's he's always been very consistent, and you know, he works hard at the defensive end also. So I mean, he would fit in that regard. But I, I, like I said, the team's on the way down. I'm not looking to trade any assets, particularly not young assets, to get a guy who's 28 who's not going to put you over the top. You take a run at him in the offseason. I mean, or if they let you talk to him, hey, we want, we want you. I, I still wouldn't do it. I'm sorry. Even if you say he'd sign here, I'm still not giving up assets. I wouldn't either. I'm not. Grump, you and I are on the same page on that. I think that you can get him an unrestricted free agency. I'm just saying some people are worried that there might he might be traded to a team like the Anaheim Ducks, a team that may have cap space. The Anaheim Ducks have players they have to sign back this offseason too, and they've got decisions to make. But he might get traded to a team and have a deal worked out preemptively and then say, hey, I can offer you an eight-year deal at whatever price you, know, you think your market is, and we can just go ahead and say, all done. You're signed for an extra year, and you'll make more. You know what I mean? So I, people are worrying that that may happen. That's all I'm saying on that one, Grumpy. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, when you just mentioned, you know, Anaheim, I mean, uh, for me, if you're Nashville, you're going to trade somebody. I mean, because right now Nashville is in a wild card spot. So are you going to move, uh, you know, Forsberg to Anaheim, let's say, who's just a few points behind you in the playoff race? To a team in you know that you're competing against, I just don't see that happening. I don't think. Uh, here's the thing: once you trade away a guy like Philip Forsberg, I think you don't give a shit about the, the playoffs. To be quite frank with you, I mean, obviously you want to make the playoffs if you can. If you trade away your best player, uh, you expect that your team is not going to perform as well down the stretch, right? Yeah, but just don't forget that teams make a lot of money in the playoffs. I mean, that's they you live for players playoffs. or teams. Okay, teams. So, I mean, if you're right now in a playoff spot, well, let's dump it because, you know, we can't re-sign him. And then you say, well, we're not going to make the playoffs. And then the team below us who we trade him to is, I think that's a hard pill to swallow if you're ownership. That's all. Do you think there, even if let's say it doesn't go to Anaheim, it goes somewhere else? Again, I'm just throwing names out there, right? We look at a guy, we look at a team that I think is on the up and up, a team that could contend, a team that does have cap space. That the, the number one team that comes to my mind is Anaheim, right? You could technically say Detroit's competing. I think Detroit has no chance to make the playoffs this year, but I'm thinking to myself, Anaheim might. That's the only reason I'm throwing that name out there. I have no inside knowledge or anything like that, but. 
See, I don't if, know. I, if you trade away, if you trade away Philip Forsberg, do you seriously think that the Nashville Predators are making the playoffs? I don't. No, I don't either. And that's my whole point. So what's the they, point? They're trading him away. Okay. But here's the thing. You're going to get, have to get a King's ransom. They're not just going to give him away for Josh Bailey and, you know, a seventh round pick. Correct. So that's why, I mean, if Detroit gave me a blow away offer, I consider moving him to Detroit. That I would do. Detroit's got a lot of good young players who could slot right into their lineup. They have draft picks, and he's somebody that they would need some veteran leadership uh, leadership on one of the top line, the top line for them going forward. I mean, so for Detroit, it's a good move, and for Nashville, it is too. Maybe you don't make the playoffs, maybe you do, but you don't want to be trading them to a direct competitor to knock you out of the playoffs. I just think that's, I just don't think you're going to see that. Okay, and again, I, I don't think Detroit. But Stevie Y is not doing that. Simple as that. I, I I think that there's only a select few teams that will have the cast base that are in the playoff pitcher that would do something like that. Detroit wouldn't do that just like the Islanders, I don't think, should make a deal like that. I'm just saying people in the Islanders community are throwing out, we need to be proactive. We need to trade for them so we could sign them. That's they what they're been, saying. They should have been proactive and moved everybody last offseason, like I said. Okay. When it was obvious this team wasn't good enough to win a Stanley Cup, you move those guys out while they still have some value. You're waiting too long. This is what you get. Sorry, Alan, the fans. Fantastic. Um, now, another item, too, grumpy old man, that people are uh, – well, let me ask you this first, Grump. What do you want to talk about today? Because today is one of these days we're kind of sitting in an odd spot because, right, we've got well, the – I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in my regular spot right here. The Islanders are sitting in an odd spot. At least us, we're sitting in an odd spot right here because now it's just speculation on who's going to be traded, what they should be valued at, who we should get rid of. That's what this entire time period is. And as we're getting close, right, we don't have any. We're just sitting here getting clammy hands saying, okay, when is the first Islander going to be traded? How many are we going to be trading? You know, that it's just an odd situation for us, Grump. This is the first time since we've we've had this podcast that we've been in a situation where we're going to be, I think, massive sellers at the deadline. Yeah, so that should be exciting times for us. I think it, I think it should be. Exciting we're, times for one person. Well, no, for us in particular, you're moving away guys, and I'm sure they're not going to be guys that I'd like to get rid of, but you're going to get rid of periphery guys. Maybe you get a second-round pick for Zach Parise. Maybe you get a third-round pick for Zdeno Chara, and you know maybe a sixth-round pick for Andy Green or a third-round pick for Cal Clutterbuck. I mean, it's more ammunition to load up and move up in the draft. Maybe you get yourself, you add all those up, you package them, you get two first-round picks. Or maybe even another one at the bottom end of the first round. Maybe you get three first-round picks by packaging other pieces. See, to me, that's exciting because loading up with – got to remember, for the last, mm, I don't know, 20-some-odd years before Lamarillo and Trotz came out, all we had was first-round draft picks. So you get kind of accustomed to that. Oh, let's move guys and get better draft picks. But I think we really need to do that as an organization now. So I have no problem that we're doing that. I mean, I don't think you're going to see the big names get moved this offseason. I'm sorry, this trade deadline for us. I think Cal Clutterbuck uh, will be somebody that uh, is in high demand. I think Zach Parise absolutely is. And I think his value is only going up. You know, I know it's crazy to say, but if Palmieri continues to produce with Barzell, do you think about moving him? Okay. Uh, Jesus Christ. I'm just asking. 
you you want to talk about who's going to be moved again as we've talked about every single pod that's fine we could go hammer the shit out of that point again um but uh hopefully you know i think that parise has played extremely well um as of late i think parise is going to get you a lot based off the play he's had recently and now i've seen people i've seen um articles writing out well, do we even trade a guy like Zach Parise, or should we re-sign him back preemptively to another one-year deal? What should the Islanders do? Again, what do you do with somebody like that? You trade him at the deadline, and if you want to try to re-sign him uh, in the offseason, go for it, as long as he knows that you're not going to be a first-line player. You're going to be playing on the fourth line. I have no problem with that. Why not get an asset and then sign him back if he loves it here so much? The thought process is if you trade away a guy like Zach Parise now to another team that's a contender, they might fall in love with him. They might say, holy shit, he's played so well for us at the end of the year. And instead of giving him a vet minimum, we're willing to pay you $1.25 million. We're willing to pay you 500 Or if, you know, depending on whatever bonuses, we're willing to pay you... Um, we're willing to up your bonuses that you had there. We're willing to up the incentive for you to stay here monetarily. And we think that you're going to be a really key part to our bottom six next year. And you could lose a guy like Zach Parise. That's what the, that's what the people worry about, Grump. He's 37, he's 37 years old. That's correct. He's 37 years old. If somebody else wants to stupidly sign him to a two, $3 million a year contract, see you later. If he, if he really wanted to come back here... First of all, they're not going to re-sign him until free agency starts. That's not going to happen. What's the market for 37 and 38-year-old wings? Well, here's here it is, right? He's played well as of recent, and he's a guy who who could be an integral part of a bottom six. Teams need bottom six players, and people are just thinking that he's played oh so well this season, and as of late, that teams are one are going to be willing to pay for him at the deadline and if they're trading for him at the deadline a significant amount if they have the cap space why wouldn't they want to re-sign Zach Parise back or attempt to re-sign Zach Parise back and people are thinking that hey Zach Parise is such an important part of what our team has done on the successful portion of our team this season we cannot afford to possibly lose a guy like Zach Parise for next year so we need to ensure we can keep him that's what people are saying. They don't want to. They don't want to gamble the risk of trading him away, not being able to sign him back. Similar, similar thought processes people have. Kind of the Philip Forsberg. They do not want to have the chance that we could not have Zach Parise. He's a bottom six forward again, who's in his late thirties. What's the market for a player like that? Yep. Here's the thing. I bet you he loves playing here. You think he's going to get the ice time? And the opportunities is getting with us on another team. I mean, I, I don't on a contender. Absolutely not. I don't. I, I don't. I'm not even concerned about that. Most people who get traded at the deadline go to hit free agencies. Why they're rentals? They call them rentals. The only team that seems to do stupid shit like that by re-signing everybody that gets traded to them is the damn Islanders, and it doesn't pan out. Why? Because you're paying premium dollar amount. For guys who are already on your team, you just don't do it. It's just dumb. It's once again dumb. 
I agree with you, right? I don't think Zach Parise is a linchpin on your team's success. I think he has played well this year, and he's been admirable in the bottom six role, but it's been a tale of two halves for him. He played very poorly in the first half of the season, as did many other Islanders, and we've seen him tick things up. But again, this is a guy who's 37, going to be 38 years old next year, who's been given every single opportunity to succeed, been on the power play for stretches, on the penalty kill. He plays out there 14, 15-plus minutes a night, game in, game out. He's given big opportunities to be successful at the Islanders. When you play alongside a guy like Matt Barzal, the lines he does, you're going to be successful also. Okay. Okay. So, but what do you think? I mean, do you think he's a day one free agent guy? No. I'm going to give no. you another example, right? Corey Perry, right? Think what, about him. Real quick, real quick. And I'll give you an example. What people are worried about is that you're going to have a, a Valtteri Filppula-esque type situation. This is what people think. This is, I'm just going to lay it out. This is not what I think. This is what people think out there. Valtteri Filppula took the one-year deal, revitalizes his career a bit, and then he's able to go ahead and move that into a more lucrative contract elsewhere where he's able to secure ice time with Detroit after he has one good year with us, and he's able to kind of revitalize his career. People are thinking, well, that might happen a little bit, with with Zachary. I don't think he's signing a two-year deal, but people think he's played well. He's revitalized his career. He's going to be traded at the deadline if he is. And then maybe another team says, great, he's played well for us also. And he played well for the Islanders this year after that poor end in Minnesota. I want to keep Zach Parise around. That's what people are worried about. Can we afford to lose a guy like Zach Parise? But he's not what you call a, a premium free agent. Those guys, he's a guy who gets signed two weeks in, three weeks in. He's not the big fish. He's going to be 38 years old next year. It's Corey Perry, same thing, right? 36. How long did he wait before Tampa signed him? And that trade, uh, that signing wound up turning out great for them. Two years, a million per, whatever it is, just above, above vet minimum. And he's done great for them. Anyone could have had him. They don't sign guys who are in their late 30s to long-term deals or to big money deals. You wait until you go after all your big fish, and then you go after those guys later. Just like Zach Parise. This offseason, just like Corey Perry left last offseason, the same thing. There's no market for guys like that. There isn't. I mean, it's so minuscule. We're the only team that does dumb shit like that. Is it possible we do that? Yes, it is. Is it the right thing to do? Absolutely not. Matt Martin. Who was offering Matt Martin a four-year contract? Who was doing that? No one. Absolutely no one. Why, why did we do it? It was dumb. And I want to see it. I want to go back to the comments that you were making. Oh, well, can we trade a guy? You said Parise, and then you talked about Palmer. You keep forgetting, Palmer has a full no-trade clause. He's happy here. He doesn't want to go. He just bought himself a house on Long Island. He doesn't want to go. This is where he grew up. As a, this is where he grew up. Kyle Palmer doesn't want to go. You're stuck with Kyle Palmer at least for two years, at least, bare minimum. Kyle Palmer is going nowhere, and I mean absolutely nowhere. So it doesn't matter if he lights the lamp 150 goals in the next three games and there's a huge trade value for him. He's not going anywhere. He doesn't want to go. Well, then, well, that's Lamarillo's fault because you, well, don't you always to... say that, but you always forget that that happened. Well, I don't, here's the thing. I, I will say, I will admit that I don't know every player who has a no trade clause in their contract. I don't. I just think they're dumb to give to players. First of all, you're limiting your ability to, to do business. That's all you do. If you can't move somebody, let's say you had a chance. To, I'm just going to throw a ridiculous thing. 
Connor McDavid. I'm just going to throw it out just to make it sound ridiculous. Or a top-level player, right? Jamie Benn, let's say, who's still pretty good, right? And the sticking point is you can't get Kyle Palmieri. That's the guy they want back as the feature piece. You can't do business for a Jamie Benn because you gave Kyle Palmieri a no-trade clause. Uh, and I'm just throwing a name out there. I'm just uh, a circumstance. That's what ha- you don't give players no trade and no move clauses. You just don't do it. I'd rather give them a little bit more money and then I could move them and w- whenever I want. But I'm not giving away where I'm locked into these players forever and ever. Just that's, stupid. That's, I, I know. That's the issue with Lou Lamarillo. He gives every it single is. player a modified no move, no trade. That's just what he does. You don't see those. I mean, every single player he signs back that that could be an unrestricted free agency he says, here you go. Here's a no trade. Here's a modified no move. Here's this. And he's been pitching that to every single player. Maybe that's why he's able to get players to take less money to stay here or what you know they might consider as less money, even though there's only been two players, in my opinion, that have taken a hometown discount. Everybody else has been paid at a premium. But you know, that's the only thing I could think. Well, see, and that's my whole that's the whole thing. It's like you're right. The only guys who took um deals hometown that- discounts. Pelic and Pulak. That's it. No one else has. No one. And then it's the question again, does no one want to play on the island unless they're guaranteed to be here? So that's why you do it. You give them that sense of security where they can raise a family because no one wants to play for the Islanders. I mean, you know, that was just how just a couple of years ago when everyone said no one would go play for the Islanders for this reason or another, right? Same thing. Maybe that's why he was giving them away because no one wanted to stay otherwise. I just think it's foolish. Okay. Um, do that. Do that slow eye blink again. I love when you do that. Grump, I, I, you get off on a roll. It's just somewhere completely different to where <laughs> to where the question was, but I, that's fine. Um, I, w- I want to ask you this too here. So we we covered Paul Mary not going anywhere, even though you wanted to be gone. You're not moving. There's certain pieces you're not moving. People are asking the question of, hey, Josh Bailey has been healthy scratched the last two days. Do you think the Islanders are actively shopping Bailey and that's why he's being healthy scratched? Or is I, it due to poor performance? So people are on two sides. People are thinking, hey, Josh Bailey is being sat right now because they're trying to trade him and actively shopping him. Or B, he's not playing due to poor performance. Maybe he could be both because he's playing so poorly. Every time he puts his skate on the ice, he lowers his trade value. That's why they're setting him. That could be it. And they are trying to actively shop him. So maybe it's a combination of the two. I don't know what kind of market Josh Bailey has. None. I, I don't think I, I don't think the reason. And again, this is just people. I think people are just throwing everything out here because we get to the wacky part of the season. And there's no way. I don't think they're sitting Josh Bailey because they're actively trading him at the moment. I think no, they're I sitting because he hasn't played well. I think it's as simple as that. But I actually, I think it benefits him sitting on the bench he can't look any worse than he already has this year so maybe that's a benefit and raises his price to maybe i don't know a seventh round draft pick i don't even know i mean but but seriously you know you know kidding aside he would be a guy who on a good team could play on the third line uh is going to skate a you know a regular shift he's not going to get the ice time he gets here uh, but you know, he's going to do the right thing. He's going to clear the puck out of the zone. He's not going to be forced to play on the power play. He can give you some penalty kill minutes if he had to. Um, but you know, he's just a third liner, you know, he's just a solid player, but 
you know, he's a depth piece as far as I'm concerned. But some guys just want to beef up their third or fourth line. But his days of being a top six winger are over uh, if he gets traded. No what, one's putting him in top six. Let me ask you, why would a team ever want to beef up their third line with number one, Josh Bailey, and number two, a guy who's got two more years that has a $5 million per cap hit? Ask Barry Trotz. We do it all the time here. I'm just saying, it's not something that happens a lot in the league and something I criticize the Islanders for. I mean, if they were to move, they, we've got, we could have currently the most expensive third line in all of hockey if Bailey would play on it with Anders Lee, Sean Gabriel Pajot, and, and Josh Bailey we had for those few days, right? The most expensive third line. It's not something you see across the NHL all that often. And it's not a recipe for success, paying your third line more than anybody else in the NHL. Yeah, no doubt about it. But like I said, if you're a team that's really close, like let's say Calgary or uh, Colorado, who are notorious for not having uh, bottom six, you could throw a Josh Bailey in there. He, I mean, because he, he has performed in the playoffs. Josh Bailey has two years left on the deal. He's not a rental. Okay, so what? You're trying to win a Stanley Cup now. If you think that having a little bit more depth on your bottom six with a guy who's previously been a top six player for most of his career can give you that to get you over the hump this year, you go for it. Nobody's no problem with that. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Grump, let's put ourselves in their shoes. Do you think a team like Col- – let's just use the examples. Colorado or teams that are on the on the precipice on close, they want to trade for a guy like Josh Bailey who's had a woeful underperforming season, a guy who's got two years left and $5 million per on his contract. That's that's what a, a top-tier team would want to do? I don't know. I think that his trade value is zero or next to nothing. Well, I'll just say Colorado. It could be that playing with a whole bunch of better players – the Josh Bailey skill set of just being kind of like a glue guy, so to speak, makes him p- perform better, if you know what I mean. And he it has makes, it makes it makes his his performance on the ice more valuable than the numbers that a company is out your Yes, yes, thank you. You said it way better than I did. Thank you very much. Well, because as soon as you said it, I kind of understood the path. Yeah, yeah, but but you see what I'm saying there, right? And he has performed in the playoffs. As much as I think he sucks, period, he has put up numbers in the playoffs. And teams look at that. It's about playoff push. And I could, I mean, I'm not saying Colorado would do it, but I would think a team like Colorado, which has shown that, you know what, they're still missing a little something the last couple of years where they've not been able to get over the top. Maybe Josh Bailey helps that with his veteran leadership. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why guys trade for people like that. I mean, look at what Tampa did with, um, uh, Coleman and Barkley, uh, Goudreau, right? They gave up first-round picks for those guys. They were, wow, you're really overpaying for them. But they gave them something that that team did not have. And maybe Josh Bailey could be that piece for a team like Colorado, for instance. I, I think I'm there's just saying, like – I'm not saying he could get you a first-round draft pick, but maybe he gets you a third. I think it would be easier for a team to take a risk or a gamble on that if he was on an expiring deal. I just think there's a whole bunch. It it really muddles everything and makes it more complex when you think to yourself, right, we're taking a huge gamble on, hey, could a guy like this who's more of a glue piece really allow, will his game elevate and will he be more valuable on our team than he is with the Islanders currently? 
you have two years left with that guy. I understand what you're saying. I just think that it's if he was in an expiring deal, I think that is perfect. I think that he would be a prime candidate for a team to roll the dice on, a guy who's performed well in the playoffs, a guy who is a glue piece, a guy who is more of a um, he's a facilitator than anything else, a guy who doesn't really do anything all that spectacular except his ability to distribute the puck. Right, I think that if he was on expiring deal, for certain you could sell a team on that. It's just a little tougher right now with two years left on the contract. But they could always say, you know what? Okay, it didn't work out. We'll try to move him in the offseason. You're not married to the guy just because he's got two years left on a deal. You could try to move him again. You're trying to win a Stanley Cup. That's what the – That's I just find this – the logic of some people just baffles me. You're trying to win a Stanley Cup. If that guy and his skill set is something that your locker room is missing – he can help you win a Stanley Cup. That's what it's all about. It's not about, oh, I'm worried about the contract two, three years from now. No, we're trying to win a Stanley Cup this year. You know how much can change in two to three years? Just look Nathan at the other might not sign back. Just, uh, I mean, you know, a, let me get the joke in. Just look at the Islanders. <laughs> okay. But you, but you understand what I'm saying, right? So I just don't think just because he's got two years left on his deal – you know what? You kind of do a workaround with that. There's so many things can happen in the offseason. You're going, you're trying to win a Stanley Cup. I know. Period. I know. So that's why I think Colorado, and actually I think Colorado would be a good fit for him. I really do. Fair enough. Fair enough, Grump. Again, I have no idea what the cap situation <laughs> looks like in Colorado at the moment. Um, but, uh, you know, it doesn't happen often, but teams have in the past traded for a guy with term left on the contract. Just go ahead and try to put them up enough to win, you know, a cup. And if the player didn't work out in that short term, they've tried to move them in the offseason. Wouldn't be the first time. It's not conventional, but it wouldn't be the first time a team's done that. And hey, you know, what do they say? Teams that are sometimes unconventional are the teams that make the bold moves do have a chance to separate themselves from the pack. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. Now, I want to ask you, did you happen to see Zidane Char in his most recent fight? On right, he broke the record for most games played as a defenseman. Did you see his recent fight? I don't know who he fought against the San Jose Sharks. Some guy, I think Ville. Um, Veal. I When I think to myself, it should be a prerequisite if you want to fight Zidane Ochara. If you're not over six four, just don't even bother going out there to fight him. I mean, what? <laughs> what I mean, like Zidane Ochara was he six eight? I mean, you're, yeah. you, he's got eight inches on you. Don't even bother fighting if you're six foot. You got to be at least six four if you want to try to match up with Char. At least then you're kind of in the same weight class. I mean, I'll be you're severely at a disadvantage. But when I see guys eight inches smaller than that fight Char, I just wonder myself why? Oh, why would you ever agree to fight the puck or you know drop the gloves and fight Chara? I didn't even understand that fight. Honestly, it's like the kid I understood wanted it for the Islanders. I didn't understand it for San Jose. Well. Zidano didn't start that up. It was the Veal kid. Zidane, Chara checked him into the boards. He skated back. He's looking at him. He's looking at him. The play's coming down. He's starting to flip his gloves off, looking at him. He's like 30 foot away. And then Chara says, okay, I didn't understand that at all. And then later on, they kind of went at it. A little, they didn't get into another fight, but they kind of went at it again. And I'm like, I wonder why. I mean, did Chara do something to him that he didn't like? Because the check that he put on him the first time, and he's—I mean, this kid's not small. He's, he's small six compared foot. to he's six foot. Okay, anybody—that's what I'm saying. Anybody under the under the under the height requirement is six four. Do not right. Like we look at it, only a select amount of people, I think, should even entertain the idea of fighting, unless it's like I want to hang this on my mantle. I fought first ballot Hall of Famer Zidane Chara. Do not drop the gloves against the guy unless you're six foot or. 
six foot, six four or taller. In the game that he broke the uh, games played record for defensemen. Of course, he gets into a fight too. I'm just like, there it is. <laughs> I mean, he, he's, <laughs> just, he's just like he just lagged all the living shit. That's here's the thing, right? You're going to be slighter. He's a skinnier fella. Chara's older, but you're six foot. He's got an eight inch advantage height advantage on you. Exactly. Don't he's I get it. He's old. He's not very mobile anymore. Got to be at least six foot four or taller in order to fight him to think you've got a legitimate chance to win in a fight. Sorry, I want to I want to tell you. If you let it roll, we can do a little play-by-play -play on this. Because, you see, he can't even reach him. Then Chara gets him. He's got him. Look at look at the position he's got him. He's got the outside where there's no way he can hit him now with uh, where Chara holds the jersey. He hits him with a couple of punches. Keep rolling. Um, he hits him with a couple of punches. Boom. No shot. It's just like just I'm just eating blows. And now watch here. You like how this he's got him like a death grip. Yes, he's like got he's got that big mitt around his throat like a bear. But then the kid gets given credit, he gets up, but watch here. He winds up after he takes a brutal shot to the head. Uh here it comes. It's coming up right. Boom. That's a big, that's a big one. Now, now watch here. Keep rolling and look at the leverage that the kid gets. Shard <laughs> takes a little bit one, but man. He misses the punch a little bit, Vile, and just cup. I mean, his helmet looked like it almost did a 360 on his forehead. <laughs> yeah. But then the kid has all the positioning where, like, right here. He's got he's got the position, and Char just moose muscled him right on over. Well, that's the thing, right? If you're six not six foot or four or taller, do not bother fighting Zidane Char, right? We look at it very select individuals could fight him in a league. If you're six foot, don't bother. It's too tall of an order if you catch my drift. Pun intended. He can still fight. He can still fight. I, I know he can. I'm just saying, right? A guy like Ross Johnson, I think Ross Johnson would hold water and hold a uh, hold his own against a guy like Zidane Char. I'd, I'm not I'd saying pay to see that fight. I'd pay to see that fight. <laughs> I'm just saying, right? He just got so much. And how tall? I mean, Ross Johnson might be too small. What is he? Six? I can't remember if he's six two or. I mean, six two still isn't tall enough. No, he's tall. I think he's like six foot four, six foot five. He's not a small guy, Ross. He's Johnson. six five. I was about to say, Ross yeah. Johnson is a guy who could say, yeah, if if he wants to, I could go ahead and try to, you know, try to match up with a guy like Big Z. I mean, Big Z's a hell of a fighter. Helps though when you're six eight. Very true. Very true. Mm -hmm. That'd be a good battle though. Yeah. Char's a good fighter for an old man. He's still throwing. For an old guy, he's fantastic. I think they should make. You know what? They should make them take their helmets off if they want to fight. Take the helmets off. <laughs> like the goon, like where they go just throw their helmet aside. Yeah, like just that. throw it aside. You want to fight? I'm not. I don't want a guy punching the visor. Like I said, uh, Char hit that guy in the visor. If it was just you know knuckle on face. Oh shit. He would have he would have a broken orbital bone. He'd be over there with his eyes swollen shut. I mean, that punch was so hard. It turned his helmet almost all the way around his face like a cartoon would. Yeah, but you know what? It teaches him a lesson that don't fight guys who are six foot eight. That's right. Don't do it. <laughs> guys who can fight. And here's the thing you either learn it or you don't, or you get better. Make them take their helmets off before they beat each other up. That's what I want. Oh shit. I don't want any. I don't want. To, I don't want them sending players to the hospital. Grump. I do. Jeez. I don't care. I'm my kid. Oh, oh man. Oh man. I'll tell you. Tell me, everyone would love that. You, you know, you hit him so hard, you you break his orbital bone, or you slice his eye up, blood all over the place. Everyone loves that. I don't know who the hell you think you're kidding. Okay. Man. Tell me you wouldn't be screaming for that. Yeah, blood, boom, boom, boom. You'd love that. Yeah, you know, that's it. it. Um, but hey, Grump, you know what time it is. 
You know who else loves that? Nuns love that stuff. I'm Anytime sure. there's a hockey fight, they're like, kill him. Oh, yeah, they are. It's time for the ad read from DraftKings. Grump Poop fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of uh, millions of dollars in top prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN and bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code Code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 years or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum of a $5 deposit is required. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text TN Redline, which is 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in New York call uh, 877-8-HOPE-NY or HOPE-NY, which is 467-369. Hope Penny. Hope Penny. The infamous Hope Penny. Oh, That's what it is. Incredible. The infamous Hope Incredible. Penny. Hope Penny. I'll never forget that. Hope Penny. Nothing wrong with Hope Penny. Hope Penny. I'm like, what the heck is Hope Penny? Now I looked at it. I'm like, TJ. No, 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 no. You didn't look at it. You heard it pronounced on TV. Don't pull that no, bullshit. No, you heard I it pronounced at on it. TV. Don't I, pull that bullshit. I looked at it. I look, I'm like, I'm like, what do they do? Hope dash NY. Is that what that would make no, it for you? No. I just see everything in one thing. Hope any. Hope any. Uh, okay. Like I said, I looked at it once. I'm like, TJ, you numbskull. It's hope NY, not hope any. Hope any. DJ. I'm gonna, you know, Grumpy. Give me a second. I'm gonna pull up exactly what I see, okay? And let you be. Okay. Here I don't we know go. what the hell that noise was. You're Grumpy. You gotta give me a sec here. I'm pulling it up so you can go ahead and see. When I see it, when you immediately see this, do you see Hope Penny or Hope and Why? Hope I see and Hope Why. Penny. I, I see, see Hope, Hope Penny. and Why. Hope and Why. I see Hope Penny. That's what I see. Hope Penny. As I'm reading an ad like that, immediately as I'm reading just over it, I see Hope Penny. Okay, Grumpy. You may see Hope NY. I don't. What can I say? My That's mind is thing. left and right. Right. What is my, my what? Is, what type of mind is yours? A right, a right-sided brain or left-sided brain? Whatever I am, I'm the opposite, Grump. It sounds like your brain is out to lunch, and mine is right there at the counter. Yeah. Good gracious. Oh. It's taking a nap like Lou Lamarillo's brain. Um, I just, so I, I know we're going to do some comments today, but I want to explain to some people we're going to do comments a little bit differently. Where you know, like we'll do every comment. And we'll have 8,000 comments and TJ just reads and we know that's a struggle. So we're just going to pick select a select few comments. 
Um, well, we'll pick comments. We'll pick comments that pop up that you know are gonna, I think, further the conversation. It's not just gonna be like me dronelessly reading. It's gonna hurt my uh, English literacy level. So for that, I'm gonna have to start taking up hooked on phonics just to go ahead and get my reading in outside of this podcast. But we are gonna still read comments. It's just gonna be comments that are more questions are going to allow us to have a deeper conversation. So I'm not just reading everything where it's like, hey guys, we see him, we say hey back, ladies and gents, and we always appreciate you tuning in. But we are still reading comments but we're doing a little different going forward just because man so when those comments we start reading them people are saying to tj that um they like the conversational thing better than just reading a bunch of comments so i'm like hey i'm cool with that angela and first comment says is bailey really going i don't think so i hope so for angela right i hope so for angela's mental well-being I don't mean, I just think this season has been very tough on Angela. Very, very difficult. Jeremy F says, good evening, TJ Grump. It's Saturday night. All right. Prediction on the first Islander to be moved. Who would be most coveted available player by other teams? So that's two different ones. Who do you think is the first Islander moved off the team, Grump? And I think it's a toss up between two players. I think Cal Clutterbuck and Parise are the two most likely first to get moved. Yep, that's what I was going to say. Thank you for jumping the gun, asking me, and then giving the who I was going to say. You're like Karnak. Yes, that's exactly who I was going to say. Those two players, uh, I think, if Parise's looked really good this year, much to my surprise, um, and Cal Clutterbuck has absolutely had a bounce back year as, as well. And they're going to be able to get you the most, unless you're moving, you know, a Mayfield or a Nelson or somebody, you know, a real uh, legitimate player who you could still consider part of the core. Okay. You keep throwing. Can we talk about this? You keep throwing Nelson. Nelson has, what is he, 18, 19 goals already this season? And we keep every freaking game talking about moving goddamn Nelson, Grump. But it drives me nuts. What I was saying was, unless you're planning on moving a guy who they consider part of the core, is what I said, those guys are going to get you the most value, with the exception of a core-type piece like Nelson or Mayfield. That's what I said. I don't know why you keep on going crazy like that. Why do you always throw Nelson's name out there? Well, he can get you a lot in a trade, I feel. Why would you want to trade Nelson? Because I don't like him. <laughs> Did Nel- Let me ask you this, Grump. Did Nelson like spit in your spaghetti or something? What's 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 the what's with the hate on Brock Nelson, Grump? He's six foot three and he plays like uh that's why how he you plays. Say what you wanted to say, Grump. Plays like a little pussycat out there. That's what he plays like. I'm sorry. He's okay. You know, he's all right. But there's nothing special about him. But I don't think Brock Nelson makes your team a champion. You need players like that. But if you get a couple of first-round picks for a player like that who's over 30, I say go for it, particularly with a team that is real close to, you know, doing a heavy rebuild, a heavy retool, you know, because no one wants to use the rebuild word. Yes, I think a rebuild more is what it's meant to. And now what player do you think that we're most likely to trade, right? I think that the players go in different tiers and likelihood to be traded. I think there are a few that I think are pretty much locks to be traded. And I think there are a few that are kind of eh, maybe on the borderline there on our wish list to get moved. If you're thinking of the locks that are going to get traded, let's just throw four names out there. Parise, Chara, Green, if they move them and Cal Clutterbuck, which one of those four individuals do you think gets the most return? Parise. And I think Clutterbuck, Clutterbuck is second. 
I think those two are your, your top two. If, if you're not planning on moving guys that really need to be moved, if you want to advance the team in the long run, some of your top six guys, like a Nelson, for example, um, I don't think Bailey is going to get moved. I don't think he has any value, but he'd be a guy that I'd want to move if you could. Um, but maybe, like I said, maybe a team like Colorado would like his element adding it to the locker room. I don't know. But I just think that the guys who are going to bring in most value right now, as of today, are Parise and Clutterbuck. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think you're getting a, a first round pick or anything like that from Cal Clutterbuck. I think, you know, in an ideal scenario, I think the best you're looking at is maybe a second. And and for a guy like Cal Clutterbuck, too, I think you want to retain half the cap hit. That's the max I believe you can retain. You want to retain that. Why? Why, Why not? You're going to get more for him. It's only going to be for the remainder of this season. Cal Clutterbuck's on a one-year contract. You can go ahead and allow a team that's maybe closer to the cap additional additional cap space to make moves. And you could say, hey, make this a second-round pick. We'll retain half the cap hit for the remainder of this season, and then you can maybe get another addition or another player on your fourth line to help add depth for the playoffs. Yeah, if it was early in the year, maybe. But remember, that number goes down Every single day, it goes down less and less because you, you get because they're only paying the portion of the contract that's left. No, no, they pay out of pocket. Cap hits different than what they pay, so cap hit still is the same. So you still it's, would have to pay the cap hit in full. It's okay. I don't think it's three and a half million. Is not the cap hit. It's it, not the cap hit. Okay, so like when we traded, it's prorated. It's, prorated. it's not prorated. When prorated. we originally, this is something you've never understood. It's not prorated. It's when we originally traded for Kyle Palmieri and um, was it Kyle Palmieri and Andy what they Andy Green Kyle, Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajak Travis Ajak they had to retain half the cap hit on each of those individuals to make it work for our situation. It so wasn't. Pro, I'm just saying it wasn't prorated. It's not prorated. I'm just saying you can offer them that hey, we're going to retain half the cap hit. So now Kyle, Kyle Clutterbuck's only going to cost you 1.75 million on the books. For you tell, tell them you count all of it on your cap space we have a lot oh, of it's it not, it's, that's not how it works you can only retain half the cap hit ground polish and you retain half like i said who cares? i'm just saying you're able to you're able to use that as an additional bargaining piece when you're moving cal clutterbuck of hey uh, you know i know he's a guy who's a good fourth line player he's an agitator he's meant for playoff style hockey he's a sandpaper player he's a glue guy we can retain half the cap hit so now you can add another one million dollar player to add your fourth line as a depth piece I'm just okay. saying that's that's how you can leverage that maybe hopefully into a second round pick. Okay. Like I said, if you get a second and a third for Parisi and Clutterbuck, you're doing pretty good. That's I think Parise, I think we said before, Parise is going to get you the most. I think Parise, seriously, he's going to be a second, if not maybe play his way into something more. I mean, as an Islander fan, if you trade a 37-year-old and a 34 or 35-year-old for a second and a third draft pick, you got to be saying we had a good day. Think about this. Zach Parise, as of late, we talk about a good time to get hot. Zach Parise in the last three games. And given he's been playing more ice time and, and with, with better line mates, and you think to yourself, okay, against Montreal and the shootout loss, he had an assist. He was a minus one. Then we play the Seattle crack, and he was paired up there with Matt Barzal. He has two, I think it was the game with Matt Barzal. Two goals, one assist, plus three. Then he plays the San Jose Sharks in the overtime loss, a goal and assist. You're talking about a guy in the last three games who has three goals and three assists, who's been a plus, uh, who's been a plus, uh, a plus four. I mean that 
that type of item and a guy who's getting hot at this time period, a guy who's really playing well, you, I think you could you could come away with even more than a second round pick with a guy like mm-hmm. Parise. I don't think a 37-year-old nets you a first. I just don't see that. But I mean a second round pick. He's got 20, he's got 21 points on the season. He's played 47 games. You talk about like when I think about Blake Coleman when he was originally moved. Let me pull that up. Blake Coleman's stats with the Devils. Now, mind you, Blake Coleman was playing on the first line with the Devils. He was playing 17 minutes a night through 57 games. He had 31 points. And again, he was, you know, Blake Coleman's more of a physical or I'd say more of a, he wasn't ultimately physical, but he's more of a physical guy than Parise. But Parise, grumpy old man, and the 47 games he's played, he's got 21 points and he's playing better hockey as of recent. I'm just saying you might be able to see a team overpay because of the name and then the performance that we've seen out of late from a guy like Zach Parise. Maybe you're looking at, maybe he could squeak out a real late first round pick. It's happened before. Yeah, but everyone acknowledged that Tampa Bay overpaid. For, it helped them win a cup, though. It it did, but I just I I just don't. But here's the thing: Coleman wasn't 37. You understand? I mean, you know, when they signed him to an extension, or he might even had years left on his deal. I don't know if they re-signed him or if he had years left on his deal. I don't remember. But I mean, you're kind of paying for that too, for a rental, for a 37 year old rental who's going to be a bottom six guy. I just don't think that nets you a first. I think we can get, maybe get a second, but here's the, oh, five weeks ago, what would Zach Parise have gotten you then? A fifth. He originally had one year left on his deal when he was traded. Maybe that was the difference between the first and the second. Cause you know, you're going to have a guy like that who the team needed that type of grit and sandpaper in your lineup. Maybe that's what had them uh, cough up the extra, which was still an overpay for, uh, for Coleman. Let's be honest. They can but, always re-sign a guy like Zach Parise back on the cheap. He was okay. paid a one point eight million per. You could sign a guy like Parise back, even if he plays super well for you. Say here's here's one point five million for next year. Sign back with us. How many thirty seven year olds wingers are getting long are getting deals like that? Anything can happen. Anything can happen. But I'm just saying, I don't see Zach Parise getting a first. I just don't. A second, yes, I can see that. Not a first. Okay. Well, hey, I'm all on the board of Hey Zach Parise. I hope you're killing it the next <laughs> the next few weeks, and it raises that trade value. I, you know, when you've been playing with Matt Barzal, when you've been playing, uh, he's shown the ability to play the bottom six role. But I think as of recent, we've seen the success with more minutes in with Matt Barzal. I think that I'd argue that that has made that yes, he could still play if injuries happen. A guy who could spot you a game or two in a top six role. I think that's what it's shown. Okay. I think that's good for trade value. Okay, but how good of a team could you really be if you're thinking about playing Zach Parise? Injuries, injuries. injuries. If you have two injuries, right, you get a player who's got, oh, I took a slap shot. It's funny, and my foot kind of can't skate on it all that well right now. I'm going to need a few days off. And you have a guy who's, you know, coming off. He's, you know, week to week right now with injury. You got a guy like Zach Parise, I think, who if you go down two guys, he could definitely play in a top six role and be confident for you. Okay. Injuries happen in playoffs. Yeah, if you're losing two of your top six, your playoff hopes are in trouble. Let's say you lose a six-line guy and a third-line guy. Your third line would have been elevated to a top-six role if your guy top-six went out. So in reality, you lost two top-nine forwards. A guy like Parise could slot his way up into a top-six role. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I don't think there. you can continue to try to push for that first-round pick, but if I'm a GM, I'm laughing your ass out. I'm saying no. 
we're paying him to play in our bottom six. I'll maybe I'll acquiesce and give you a second. You're not getting a first. I'm saying all likelihood it's going to be a second. It might be more. That's all I'm saying. I could make the argument as to why maybe he could work his way into more. That's it. I, I think it's going to be a second and it absolutely will not be a first. Fair enough. LGI says there was a crazy rumor that Wallstrom and Bailey for Forsberg. And he was like, hell no. Now, again, I think that 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 one's not real, but I've seen people saying maybe Bavillier is going back in the other way. I've seen a lot of rumors all over the place that the Islanders are looking to trade for a guy like Forsberg so they can guarantee trade and they could make sure and guarantee that he signs with them. I've seen that all over the place. And again, it's the crazy, wacky time period of rumor season. I just don't think it's a smart move for us. Okay. Anyone who said there's no guarantee, fans or whoever says that, there's no guarantee that he's signing back with you. He's an unrestricted free agent who will test the market, period. This is his time to see how much money he can make in his career. This is going to be the biggest contract that he ever signs is going to be this one. Believe me when I tell you he will go to unrestricted free agency. I'm not saying that you couldn't sign him back. I just think the chances of it happening aren't real great. JG Pajot took that money initially right away when we saw it, when we traded for him because he was never getting $5 million a year as a guy who's a third line center. We were the only team dumb enough to give him that much money. And I love JG Pajot. Phil Forsberg is a top six forward, top line forward. He's going to get paid a lot of money. He's not going to say, well, I'm going to give you a discount because I like the Islanders. Not going to happen. Now, I also will say, if you take Wallstrom out of the equation and you put Bavillier in Bailey, I'm making that deal all day long, all day long. Because you have the option to sign him. You only get seven days when you can negotiate with, you know, you have that, uh, whatever they call it, the window, when you can sign him to an eight-year deal. Then he goes on the market. And teams have done that all the time. They try to sign him. What do they wind up doing? We can't make the deal. They flip him for a fifth-round pick. We did it with Christian Erhoff. Flipped him for, I don't know what it was, a fourth-round pick or something like that. Traded for him from Buffalo just to see if we could sign him. He said no because he wanted to go to free agency. So we flipped him somewhere else for a sixth. That happens all the time. Forsberg will not sign a contract until unrestricted free agency starts. Mark my words. Fair enough, Grumpy. We've got Grumpy on the books. Tony Chi says, also, Phil didn't seem to be a fan of me calling him a serial killer who takes his victims' W-2s as a trophy. Ooh! Yeah. Wow. Uh, Brian P. said, I want Varlamov to get hot, so maybe we can maybe we can get more for him in a trade. Now, let me ask you that. Now, I think that, that, that moves it to a question of, do you think a guy like Varlamov were actively shopping here? at the trade deadline? Or you think that's more of an off-season move? Or do you think we say, we want to keep Varlamov? We want to keep the goalie tandem together. I think there's three ways it goes. We want to keep them together, we trade them this year, or we trade them in this deadline, or we trade them in the off-season. There's so many balls up in the air over the off-season. I don't know if Lou's capable of pulling it off, to be honestly. Uh, honestly. To be honest with you, sorry. Um, but for me... I think if you trade him now, you can maybe get the most for him now. But he's not the number one goalie on the market. That's Marc-Andre Fleury. So this is the second goalie. So how close down to the end do you get? But other teams need goalies. It's not like there's only one team that needs a goalie. I think if you're looking at guys who are probably going to be traded or or could be available for trade, I think you know it's, it's Marc-Andre Fleury. Varlamov is number two right on that list. And Varlamov also has 
cap guarantee. He's got he's got another year of of team control. So now you're saying uh, okay. See you okay. Um, I, I'm not going to get into that argument with you. What you discussed early, but now you're saying a guy who has team control should get you more as opposed to a guy who is you know unrestricted at the end of the year. A guy with team control does get you more. It's one year. It's not like it's two years with Bailey, right? Two years with Bailey is different than one year with Bailey. Uh, Varlamov is also a much better player than Bailey has ever been. Varlamov, really? Yeah, I think Varlamov I think Varlamov, goalie than than Josh Bailey is a skater. I think Varlamov has benefited with these coaches. I just when think as simple as this. Yeah, he has benefited from the coaches. He's benefited from the style, no doubt about it. When you look at the raw numbers and you say this is a guy who's, you know, in prior years posting a 929 save percentage and is posting franchise records and shutouts, and now he's on a little bit of a down year, goalies get hot and cold. Maybe next year we're taking it that he's going to be a little bit more of a hot goalie. I mean, Varlamov's, oh, he's been a much better goalie than Josh Bailey's ever been a skater or a winger. Okay. I'm just saying if I'm a GM and I'm looking at Varlamov, I'm looking at how he played at Colorado. You're going back four years ago. You're going to look to see how he played four years ago to say that's that's the Varlamov we think we're trading for four years ago, Varlamov. I uh, because I want to say that style it depends on how what type of style your team plays. If you're more of a wide open style team, I would definitely look at Varlamov's numbers from back then because he's not going to be playing a but with a buttoned up defensive team like we have in the Islanders. I think those inflate his numbers just like they did with Robin Leonard, just like they did with Thomas Grice. Those numbers get inflated, uh, looking really, really good because of the system we play. And a good GM, I would think, would say, okay, we don't have the defensive structure that the Islanders have. What do I want to look at when Varlamov was playing for Colorado or Washington? Do you think a GM also says, we have better defensemen than the out? Maybe they got a better system. We have better defensemen. We're not rolling out Sedano Chara and Andy Green every single night on defense. I'm not talking so about just to put the hand, you know, to put the devil's, you know, the hand on the other or the, the shoe on the other foot. Okay, but I'm not you you mentioned how he set the goalie the sh- shutout record, had a save percentage record and they they're going to look at okay, but look at the style they play. That's why his numbers are so good. 4 years ago he had a 909 save percentage, 5 years ago with Colorado he had a 920 save percentage. He's been an up and down goalie sometimes throughout his career. He's seen a little bit of a renaissance in his career back with the Islanders. There's no doubt at all the system helps. I just don't think teams are going to say I'm going to look only at the results we have in Colorado to be the barometer of what the trade's going to be. I think that if moved, he's the number two guy right off the block. I think it's Marc-Andre Fleury. He's a second. I didn't say that would be the only thing they'd look out at, but I think it was something that you would consider. I think you'd have to. If I'm putting it like a scale of what I'm looking at, that maybe holds 5 or 10% of what I'm looking at. It's oh. not It's not a big part. I'm more looking at what he's done now, what he looks like confidence-wise. And, and, and again, maybe maybe working with Pierre Greco and Mitch Korn has helped to put him back on the right track again. How did it work out for Thomas Grice when he left here? Okay, he went from that to a hideous deal. <laughs> but but <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah, but he was fantastic. Uh, maybe not his last year here, but prior to that, the year before, he was tremendous. He was really, really good. And that's what I'm saying. You have to look at everything in totality. You, and you cannot discount the system that the Islanders play. You cannot. Well, Varlamov had a lot of good years for Colorado, too. I think you forget it. 
I mean, Carl Lawson is second Nevesda Trophy finalist there back in 2013-14. I'm just saying they're not going to look at Varley from four or five years ago and say that's the Varley we're getting. They're going to look at it. They're going to look at a multitude of things. I'm just saying he's the the second best goalie off the freaking board, and I think he'll get you a little bit. I think he'll get you something. There's more than one team that's looking for a goalie at this year's trade deadline. I'm not disagreeing with you. What I'm saying is that I don't think he's – you think he's going to get your first-round pick? No. I don't know what he'll get you. I have no earthly idea. Until the goalie market gets set, we have no idea what a goalie is going to get you this year at the trade deadline. I don't well, even I think Mark Andre Fleury is going to be the first goalie off the board, depending on what he gets, and that can accurately say what a guy like Varlamov will get. Okay, I think you asked me a three-part question, and I only got to the first part, and you started picking apart what I was saying. No, you did. Well, I don't want to go back to this, but uh, you're saying now that people with more term get paid more for contracts. I said, no, it's different no, between Bailey no. and Varlamov, and that's what put us down this rabbit hole, Grump. No, what I'm saying is that's how we got should, here. When when would you trade him? Now is the best time to change. You get max value for him. Well, I didn't say I when would you trade him. I said there's three options. You keep him. You trade him at the deadline. You trade him in the offseason. Those are the three items I presented to you. Okay, I will give you what I would do. First, I would trade him now. I would trade him at the deadline. Second, I would try to trade him in the offseason. Third, I would keep him. That's the that's the last thing I want. Okay. You can get a goalie. A backup goalie, way cheaper, two million dollars per. Save yourself three million against a cap. For when you get Philip Forsberg, Matthew S. saying here, we suck in shootout. I want to talk again about the shootout? I, again, I, I don't, I don't get. Oliver Wallstrom is back and healthy in the lineup, and the guy doesn't take a shootout attempt. I just, I'm, I'm just kind of shocked that we don't utilize the best shootout player we have in shootout all that often. Can I just say one thing about that? I'm going to give Barry Trotz. I just want to say I'm going to come to his defense. We didn't get to position number nine. That's why he didn't shoot. <laughs> oh, my God. And I get it, right? Brock Nelson scored goals for us this year. Matt Barzal's good. I, I just I, – Oliver Wallstrom needs to be I shoot every single time and shoot out. I, and I just don't get why he doesn't do that. I, I think he's the best. You talk about pure shootout and pure ability to put the puck in the back of the net. He's the best on the team, and he doesn't get any shootout opportunities or hasn't as of recent. Who took the shootout attempts? Do you remember? Barzell, Nelson. Barzell, Nelson, and Bavillier, question mark? I think Bavillier went first. Barzal missed the second. Or I don't remember the order. I think it was Barzal, Bavillier, Nelson. I made sure I watched that last portion, but I can't remember who and what order they shot in. I would have put Kiefer Bellows in there. He's got a really quick shot. He shoots it when you're not expecting it. Now, and I know it's the first time we mentioned Keeper Bellows today, and, you know, everyone knows how much I love him. He was skating back and trying to do a turn in the second period, and he fell on his ass. And I was like, oh, please don't be number 20, because I went to hear it on the podcast, and it was number 20. Yes, he looked really clumsy out there and took a tumble doing a, you know, from converting from uh, forward skating to backward skating. It did not look pretty. Look like me out there, honestly. Yeah. Except I would have had broken limbs trying to get back up. Grumpy would have broke his femur just on the way down. Um, but yeah. uh, I, yep. I just anything you would have broken him. Um, not just one item, Grumpy. You'd be on a you'd be on long term injury, long term injury reserve. You'd be gone, LTIR. But I, I just I don't get why Wallstrom doesn't shoot and shoot at. Just doesn't make sense. Never has, never will. He needs to be shooting every damn attempt. Um. And the then, best shooters on your team should be the guys who are shooting the puck. Oh, here's the thing. You real, you know that they do these things at the end of every practice. You yes. know they do. Who are the guys who look best? Don't tell me it's Brock Nelson. 
don't tell me that because even I know his move. It's the same every single time. I mean, right there, certain guys will have the same move every time, but they'll be really successful, i.e. your Franz Nielsen's. I mean, he just always is able to get that little, oh, I'm faking it, and I put it in the back, you know, I put it on the back end, I put a top shelf. I mean, it's 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 as good as, you know, wash, rinse, repeat for Franz Nielsen, but, it, you know, Brock Nelson's move isn't like that. He usually tries to go, I'm stick handling, let me try five-hole. It just very rarely works. Um, Christmas says, I believe Bailey is getting traded, and he said, if you can trade a guy like, Andrew Ladd, you could always trade off a contract like Josh Bailey. Yeah, if you want to move him to Arizona, um, a team like that who needs to get to the salary cap floor. But I'm shooting a little bit higher. I'm looking at one of the higher-end teams who maybe need some depth on the third line, someone who can be solid defensively, really smart. You know, guys who aren't going to cost your team. They're not going to help you, but they're not going to cost you. And just let's not forget, he does have a little bit of a rep uh, about in being in the playoffs. Let's give him his, his kudos. As soon as he's gone, I will. I'm not going to do it while he's here because I don't want him staying. Mm. Um, we got a comment here also, Chris, also saying here, Detroit could make the playoffs. Eiserman's doing a great job. I think Detroit is a shoe in to make the playoffs next year, even though they play in a tough division. I think Detroit is really on the right direction, which is why I don't think, even though they've got a lot of glut of young players, picks, et cetera, I still don't think they're giving up their strength like that to guarantee a chance like Forsberg. But they might be a team who says, Eiserman might say, we need to be bold. We've got Dylan Larkin here. You know, he's he's in a prime. We've got guys like Tyler Bertuzzi. They're fantastic. We've got guys like Zadina, who's been playing well. They do need a left wing. You know, Zadina's been playing more minutes, but hasn't been all that great in his time. Maybe they say, here you go. Here's a guy like Zadina, um, who, you know, has the pedigree of where he was drafted. He's young. He's ready to perform at the NHL level. We'll give you him. We'll give you a pick or so. We'll give you, you know, a prospect of a choice. And, because they have a litany of them, and maybe they say we're going to make sure that we could sign Philip Forsberg to you know that max contract. Maybe they're a team that looks at it, right? And that's I think I think I mentioned that earlier. I said you know if you're looking at a team not in the playoffs, that's a team that could take him on, and mm -hmm. they have the assets to make a trade like that. We don't. I, I just, just don't think we have trade partner wise. I think it makes sense for Nashville, right? If unless they're saying, "Hey, we want all picks." If they're saying, "Hey, we want all picks," I don't think Detroit's the suitor. I think trading them to a, a competitor, a more of a competing team, is is a better option for them. Um, but, I think they probably want. I think they probably want back some uh, young players who could play in the lineup right now. I think so too, but I'm just saying, like, I just think regarding like the options they have, I think Detroit has more options than other teams. Not saying they're necessarily the best option, but they have more options, more, more possibilities. Brian B says, I feel more comfortable letting me work the phone for the deadline deals than Lou. No joke. Yeah. You always George, overpay. George P said, let's have a comedy hour. Which general manager is willing to take on Josh Bailey? Oh God. Yeah. I was about to say, I, I think under the right circumstance with the right team, a contending team, he could be moved. You might have to eat salary cap. No problem there. We got plenty of that. So I have, we have no problem with that. Maybe it happens. I don't know. Michael M saying Parise might actually get us a second round pick. I think it's safe. To, I think it's safe. Like if I'm putting like, you know, the safety measure on what Parise will get, I could safely say, I think Parise is getting you a second round pick. Right. I mean, I, I, like I said, tops. 
You're not getting a first. Second, you're not teams getting a first. Teams overpay at the deadline. That's not all. for 38 year old freaking wingers. They don't. They overpay. Okay, D Grumpy. We gave up a second round pick for Andy Green. I'd argue that Zach. No Parise one is as dumb as Lou Lamarillo, who wants to sign get all these old guys who we drafted back in his heyday 30 years ago back on the team. You just don't see it. No one is going to give you a first round pick for a third or fourth line player who's 38 years old. Not going to happen. Sorry. Um, and then now Michael M talking about regarding the re-sign of Zach Parise. Why wouldn't worry about Parise? He's going to be 38. The market on him won't be high. The Islanders really want him back on the fourth line. They could probably pay him 900K for, an for another year in free agency. They don't have to worry about trying to re-sign him now. Absolutely. 100%, Michael. Jeff S. saying here, uh, the top six next year, Barzal, Nelson, Wallstrom, Lee, perhaps Bellos, and hoping for another top-notch no top elite forward. If we can find one, or maybe even two, that's a huge if. Now, does that, I mean, does that even put us in, in contention there to be a legitimate contender? I just, I'm not sure. I don't even look at Anders Lee as being a top six player anymore. He's not. He's not. He's, he's a garbage man, a really good garbage man, and he's a leader. He's a guy on an ideal scenario. On a good team, you'd have him as a third-line guy who can really provide some energy. I mean, sometimes he looks a little kind of like he's coasting out there on the ice. Maybe he's playing a lot more minutes. You have less minutes there on the ice. Maybe then he said, I've got to be a high-impact guy. I've got to throw the body around more. I've got to make sure I'm only playing 12 minutes a night, but i got to make sure I'm throwing the body around. I'm fighting for every loose puck. I'm playing like I've got my hair on fire. That's what makes Anders Lee valuable, and he just hasn't done that much lately. I'm, I just don't think he's capable of it. It's not who he is. He can't skate. He's really slow now. I mean, occasionally he'll throw a body check. His one purpose is standing in front of the net. And he's good at it, but that's not a top six forward in my book. Put him out there on the power play, stand in front of the net, no problem. But as a regular shift, no way. Mm. But you got to look at Palmieri, right? Where are you going to put him? You're going to make him on your third line? We need to move some guys out. Just happen. we do. We need. We've got a lot of movement. As about to say, there's a lot of things that has to be done. Tony Chi says, "Are there no trade clauses for elite players?" Question mark. And anyone who signs for the Islanders, apparently, according to Lou Lamarillo, you realize Leo Komarov had a no move clause in his contract. Think about that. Think about that. Cases Ezekis. Think about it. Uh, Everyone. Matt Martin. Same thing. <laughs> Um, Think about that. Think about that. Guys who are just bottom six trash get no trade and no move clauses in their contracts. Why? I, sorry, I. What? No. You want a no trade? Get, that's get why Lulian Rio is loved and highly respected because he gives away things he doesn't need to at the trade table or at I'm the saying, negotiation table. Yeah, I'm just saying. You want to know? Get out of my office. You're done. I'm going to move you to Cleveland Browns. Changing sports. Michael M says, I think Bailey is going to be a target um, for a team that misses out uh, on other available players. And Very he also well. says he's an elite playmaker. He's been rough everywhere else, um, but uh, he you know, could go to a team that needs a good puck mover. And it does make sense that he could be more valuable to a team like that. Yes. And I think if he does, he'll get moved right at the end of the deadline. If he does get moved, he's not going to be uh like an or a week before guy. 
So you're, right you're, you're thinking that a team that goes, holy shit, we missed out on XYZ. We missed out on Forsberg. We missed out on him. What do we need to do? We need to make some sort of move. We can't sit on our hands. And maybe you can go ahead and get a team to freaking panic buy on a guy like Josh Bailey. They've got FOMO, fear of missing out. Okay, it's not a panic buy if you know if you what your team needs is what Josh Bailey provides. It's not a panic buy. And you, I think you get him on the cheap too. Maybe a third round pick. I mean, I mean, I know I don't lawn him on the team anymore. No, a lot of Islander fans don't. But in the right situation, and it's basically because why? He's playing on the first line, which he's or the second line. He's just not good enough. He plays on the power play. But on a really good team, that's not going to be his role. He'll probably be overpaid, but still, he can be good in the role that he's actually good at, if you know what I mean. That's why I think Colorado is a good spot for him. They're so it's like they're almost like a one and a half line team now with how Kadri has played this year. But other than that, they're barren in the bottom six. Josh Bailey can help in that regard, lengthen your bench a little bit. Nothing wrong with that. Like I said, they're re- Colorado is really freaking good. They are. They are. I'm not, I don't disagree with that at all, Crump. Here's, here's nothing. Florida Panthers not winning the Stanley Cup this year. Not happening. You think you don't think they have the defense? Not at all. And it's too bad because I think they have the pieces on defense. But I think all the Joel Quinville is kind of out of him now. He was teaching them how you know how to be responsible. I think the other guy, whoever's in there now, is the coach. That's kind of all faded off now. Uh, they, the playoffs are a totally different animal. Maybe they're yeah. looking to add to the defensive side of the puck at the trade deadline. They're certainly not going to sit there on their hands at the NHL trade deadline. Again, you, you talk about a defensive defenseman like Scott Mayfield would get you he'd get you a king's ransom because of the contract that he has and what he does and can offer to a team. I'm just saying it would be fantastic. John M. saying, TJ, you need to send me Grumpy's address on Twitter. Uh, I have an all-burn short shirt for him. Send me send me a message so yeah, I remember John. Send me a message so I will remember on Twitter to send you that because I get grumpy. I gotta remember it's it's a lot. It's a lot. Um uh Andre M says here the wild have interest in Bailey. Do you think that that's accurate? I remember we we talked about it. I'm not sure if it is accurate when I read those rumors, but um I think it was what Pagnota was saying that. And again, he was I don't know, he throws a lot of shit on the wall. Some right, some really off. If somebody offered me a third-round pick for Josh Bailey, I'm like, Josh, thank you for your service. That's what I would say. I would, too. i do the same exact thing, Grump. I don't disagree. I'm just as saying. As much as I beg on Josh Bailey, and I do, let's be honest, I do, he's a really nice guy and a good person, and if he has a chance to win a Stanley Cup somewhere else because he's not going to be here, all the power to him. I'd root for him. I would. I just don't want him on my team. But that doesn't mean I wouldn't root for him playing for somebody else. Mm. Um, and then got a comment here from SP saying, uh, would you trade our first for Forsberg if you had a guarantee that he resigns or take your chances in the offseason? I think I'll take my chances. I'm taking my chances in the offseason. I'm not giving – we. We're, we have we no be, assets. We could, a lot, we could be in a lottery pick slot. We could be in a we're, we could be a team that's picking in the top ten this year, and you don't want to give up in a deep draft. You don't want to give up a pick that's in the top ten for the ability to sign back Philip Forsberg, who you may also can roll the dice on having a chance at this offseason. I think you've got to keep your first. Yes, I'm not trading away any assets, young assets. Yeah. If you want, oh, 
we'll give you Phil Forsberg if you give us Josh Bailey and Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck and, uh, you know, whatever other trash we have. Oh, yes, then sure, I would do that. But that's not what teams are looking for. Nashville certainly not. Chris Smith also saying Colorado could use a veteran like Josh Bailey. He's played well in the playoffs, too, just echoing your point, Grumpy. Yes. Um, Michael M says, uh, my happy Lou deadline day is moving Varlamov or Bailey, moving two-thirds or two of the three of Cal Clutterbuck, Parise, and Mayfield and trying to move Green and Chara if they're willing. I know it's a lot, um, but we need to make moves. Just asking for three from Lou at the deadline. Just three, three Lou. So he would want either Bailey or Varlamov and then two of the three of Cal Clutterbuck, Parise, and Mayfield. I mean, that... I don't even think three out of that is unreasonable, to be honest with you. I don't either. It's a lot, but I seriously think it could be done. I think Clutterbuck and Parisi are absolutely going. Yes. So you have to look at Varlamov, Bailey, Mayfield, Green, and Chara. I think absolutely one of those could be moved, certainly. Mm. I, I'd even move, like I said, Varlamov. If somebody offers you a first-round pick for Varlamov, you'd have to take it. I don't know if he gets your first, but even if he gets your second, again, it's about stockpiling picks. All right, maybe you don't want to have seven second-round draft picks. Well, you take three of them, and you move up to, you know, 20 in the draft. And then maybe use another one in the third to move up to 30 in the draft, something like that. I mean, if you target certain players, you can do that. If you have enough ammunition, you can move up and then kind of restock with quality players uh, in a hurry. And that's what you want to do. We don't want to go back to being the 1990s New York Islanders. Mm, no one no, wants that. No. But if, if you, I mean, this is a deep draft, right? So if you get yourself three guys who are, you know, considered top 25 in the draft uh, prospects and just give up some of these aged players, what's wrong with that? It just speeds up the, the rebuild process. That's all. No problem with that. Mm -mm. True, Grumpy, true. And then Tony Chi says, listen, if you don't think they should fight without helmets because they could go to the hospital, you need to stop endorsing fan fights on your other podcast. Those fans don't wear helmets. That's yeah. what we need to start doing. We need to promote that every single time there's a fan fight that breaks out, they need to have some sort of individuals at these sporting events that hand out helmets so they can okay. smash each other in the heads with. Well, that's what I say. If you're going to give the fans helmets in the stands, I guarantee you those helmets are coming off and they're going to be bashing other uh, fans with them. And I have no problem with that either. I think it'd be fantastic to watch. You see a guy get hit and just, oh, 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 he gets all wobbly and tumbles over a rail. Man, that'd be funny. Good stuff. <laughs> um, and then uh, Kutshite or Kutsu, what is that? Kutsu, what, how do you pronounce that, Grump? Kutshite? Um, Cutshite Revenge says New York Islanders must move Bailey for a third round pick. That's probably all you're going to get for a dude at this point. Islanders better not trade Bellows. He's going to be a top six forward. Now, this is something I wanted to talk about. You've seen a lot of people that are saying we're showcasing Kiefer Bellows because we're looking to trade him at the deadline. Do you think there's any validity behind that? You've watched Kiefer Bellows play. You've watched Josh Bailey play. What's the skill set that you'd rather have on this team? That's a question for you, TJ. Um, I'd rather have I'd rather have grumpy old man, a guy like uh, Kiefer Bellows. Yeah. Why? Because he shoots the puck. Okay. Yeah. Now, like I said, that conversion from skating forward to backward was ugly on Thursday night. Ugly. 
And I was like I said, I'm serious. I looked at it, I said, please don't be number 20. Please don't be number 20. And it gets up, it's number 20. I'm like, damn, because that was sloppy and clumsy. But you know what? Anders Lee does that too. So uh, to me, I don't think Bellows is going to get dealt. He's been playing really hard. Uh, I still think there, and I, I'm watching him exclusively now since I'm not looking for wins well, and losses. Yeah, exactly. We're looking at certain players, the younger players, like when they get traded, I, I hope Simon Holmstrom gets a call up. I'll be watching those guys very with, you know, I'll be screw I'll be very uh I'll be looking at it with a fine tooth comb and I'll be, you know, I'll be very um I'll I'll be uh, I, you know, scrutiny will be there for certain because I'll be zooming in on those players to see, you know, what they look like, what they could project to be. And that's what I that's what I'm looking for. Like Phil doesn't like Sebastian Ajo. I think he's been really good when he's played. I think he gets a bad rep because he's smaller. He's better than Thomas Hickey. That's all I have to say. And Thomas Hickey, just a few scant years ago, was, oh, Thomas Hickey's fantastic. Yes, he's smaller, but he moves the puck. He gives us an element that we do not have on this team. And that's why I like him. He made a beautiful uh, pass on the goal. Uh, I don't know who it was who scored. I think it might even have been Parise. Um, where he set him up just from driving below the face or b- below the uh, bottom of the net, made a beautiful play. I mean, that's what we need from Sebastian Ajo. I have no problem with playing him as a bottom six guy or a number seven. I want to. Well, just just to touch on the Kiefer Bellows thing, there are times when he needs to be hustling a little bit more that I've noticed, but I've been pleased with his play too. He's really gelling on that second line. Maybe he takes the place of a Josh Bailey. I want to. I want to bring up and show you this here. Now, this is this is Simon Holmstrom, grumpy old man. This is his play of the evening. Now, I've noticed a lot of his success comes from items that are in you know in transition, on a break, and he's a guy you talk about who's got a good hard crisp pass. I think that he does have this. And again, this is a guy I want to see at the NHL level to see what he has towards the end of the season. Is he ready to make the jump next year? How close is he? What are the tangible skills we can expect from him? Now, this was, again, not a shock at all that <laughs> that the Bridgeport Islanders are down 3 nothing early in and the first. It's, also, it's a four-on-four situation as well. Yeah, there's there's open ice. They caught him in an odd man rush. This is more what I'm talking about. It's a two-on-one situation. I just want to show you now. Holmstrom's the guy with the puck. It's a nice, that? it's a nice little move. It's a nice little pullback, and you talk about a quick pass. He gets at the Weatherspoon. Just watch how quick the pass is. It's on point. I can't. Right, people say Josh Bailey 2.0. I've never seen Josh Bailey make a pass that hard and that crisp. I know it's in Bridgeport, albeit, but I mean, I just saying, it could be all the things you like of Josh Bailey. The few items you, I mean, you're talking about the items you like and dislike, right? There's about one or two items you like, but and then more because that's a crisp pass. It's a good move by him, and I've seen a lot of his in transition where he's able to feed the guy who's you know on the odd man break and able to and able to you know cause a goal and score a goal there for the for the Islanders here. Yeah, I'm all for bringing him up at the end of the season, see what he's got. I think you'll see that he's lacking because it's not Bridgeport. It's not a four-on-four situation. You know, everything I've heard and everything you know, my son watched, he does not like to have any contact, doesn't like to go to the front of the net. You know, I, I, do we need guys like that who are afraid to go to the front of the net? We already got one of those. Makes $5 million a year. 
Brother number three says, just reminder that tonight's game is a must win. A must win game. That's for certain, brother number. Nick D says here, uh, TJ Grump, how you guys doing tonight? Doing well. Which Islanders would you give up for a guy like Brock Besser and Connor Garland? Um, and would they be a fit on the Islanders? I like both of those players. I think you'd probably have to go with Anthony Bavillier. I, you're not giving draft picks up to Vancouver. No. No way. But I mean, I don't. I think that they're probably looking for younger players. I don't think they're looking for veterans. It'd be great if you could trade a Bailey or you know, name whatever, you know, one of the many no trade clause guys. If you could convince them to go to Vancouver, but I think it'd probably be somebody like Bavillier. Change the scenery could help both guys. I like Brock Besser. Always have, and I like Connor Garland as well. If I'm thinking about probably who's you know, I, I... no picks. Yeah. No picks. That's the big one. And I mean, here's the thing, right? If you're Vancouver, they struggled mightily under Travis Green. And now you think that when they've got Bruce Boudreaux, I think that's a team that you look for a, a team to really make a big step next year after one full season under under Bruce Boudreaux, under the system and kind of having better expectations. He can kind of mold the team to what he wants next season. I think Vancouver Canucks could take that that step forward. Maybe, maybe. Are you so hesitant? I, I don't know, because they've kind of tailed off a little bit after that hot start. That's all. I'm just saying they've kind of tailed off a little bit. They're six, three, and one in the last ten. So yeah, but okay, whatever. They're fifty. They're fifty-six points right now. They are. They've got. They've got. They're six points out of the playoff race. Six points out of a playoff spot. Well, not everybody's 29 points of a player spot like the Islanders, but still, you know, it's a little bit closer in the West. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. But I think if you're going to move a Besser or a Garland, you'd have to give up a Villiers. I think that's what the actual question was. No, no, I'm just saying. I, and I and went ahead. I, Crumpy, do you not? Did you not listen to what I said after that? Were you too busy drinking your purple drink? You're like, let me just take a break here. I'm enjoying my nice purple drink on a beach at 70, sunny and 75 degrees, Grump. I was just saying, I really think they could take a step forward next year. That's all I said. That's all I said. You said, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I, my answer is still the same. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> okay. I don't follow Vancouver enough to know if they're guaranteed to take a step up next year. I said they could, and you said maybe. Oh, maybe, uh, no, maybe they could. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I like he said maybe. Maybe you know whatever. <laughs> Brian B said a first for Parise. Yeah, okay. I'm playing in the NHL next season. I think he's directing that uh, response to you. I think he is. That he is grumpy. Um, and then teams always overpay this time of year. That's all I'll say. That is something that happens on a consistent basis. Um. SB saying I trade Bailey for a hot dog from Kramer's movie theater oh, and a wow. 2040 seventh round pick. That's okay. <laughs> He's willing to give anything up to get rid of him. I, honestly, on a good team, I think you might be able to get a third round pick for Josh Bailey. Eddie says a no sided brain. That's what TJ is. There oh, it is. Shit. That's what you said, Grumpy is a no sided brain. Alexander said exactly. Teams will overpay at the deadline for players that they think can get them. Or that um, that's why you think players could get like a first round pick for a guy like Zach Parise and a guy like Varlamov. I just want to say that I love Alexander's new picture. I'm going to assume that those are his children. And uh, 
uh, both of them are better looking than the person who used to be on the left-hand side of that picture previously. Oh, better looking than Alexander. Okay, okay. I didn't say that. Uh huh. Dave C says here, uh, on my way to the game, fellas, I wish me and the Islanders some luck. He's headed to the game. Good luck, Dave. I, I hope, I just don't know if Dave is wearing himself some type of jersey so we can maybe identify him in the LA crowd. Um, Jeremy F says here, you're in trouble if you lose two top six forwards. That is, unless you can slide Leo Komarov up to the first line. Haha. <laughs> well, there's the thing, right? The Islanders got to the Eastern Conference Finals with Leo Komarov. I'm just saying, Paris has a better option than the guy like Komarov. We go <sighs> because Lee was out before the trade deadline. You're aware of that, right? I'm aware of that. We okay. we, we we knowingly put Leo Komarov on the first line. I hate when you put some type of something that has maybe like. A zero point zero 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 one percent chance of happening, and you throw that out like it's a logical scenario. Crazy. Oh yeah. Um, uh, Rich A says I got ten dollars that we claw our way back into a glimmer of hope that we don't move anymore. That that we don't move anyone. We still miss the playoffs and trash our good draft position. I think we're going to be drafting worst case in, scenario. I almost feel like we're going to be drafting in the top ten. I hope so. Yeah, me too. Right now, I think we're eighth. I, I really hope so. Um, and then Max P here saying, uh, what's up, fellas, for the Never Say Die podcast? You guys certainly say die a lot. Grumpy old man, I'm looking at you, LOL. I agree, though. This team needs to get younger and faster like yesterday. I don't think I ever use the word die, do I? Maybe I do. It, it's grumpy old. It's interesting. It's What is a metaphor, Grumpy? Their team season's over. Just uh, in lieu. Oh, but I don't think they're dead. Die, die, die. I don't think I say that. Is that a cat cat drinking or like shotgunning something? I'm trying to see what that is. I can't tell. My eyes are fuzzy or so. I don't know, Grump. I think that's a cat in that photo. And I'm I'm, it's it's causing the question, what exactly is that photo? I don't know. Um, but uh, Jeremy F says here, I think Varlamov's value is dependent on the need of teams in contention. If teams lose a if team loses a goalie in the next three weeks, i.e., Colorado, Edmonton, Toronto, the price goes up. Especially if uh, Mark Andre Fleury is gone. Here's the thing, too. Robin Leonard, Robin Leonard is out as well. I mean, like does Vegas say, okay, we're not caring about this year in competition and competing? Right? I think I think Vegas is looking for a goalie also. Okay, Jer- and it's funny. Jeremy always asked the best questions. I mean, really questions that you, oh, that's a good question. I often say, man, Jeremy, that's a good question. Okay, Jeremy, I'm going to hold you the standard I've hold TJ to today. Ifs. Anytime you have to add ifs and buts in there, probably not going to happen. I just don't, uh, yes, his value is dependent on teams in front. But to expect teams like a whole bunch to lose a goalie in the next three weeks, it's not probable. So I'm not looking at it. All it way. takes is one team to lose a goalie. Again, I think that he's the second best goalie on the market after Mark yes, Andre Fleury. And here's the thing. Does Washington, Washington's rumored maybe to be looking for goalie. Sam Sonoff has not played well. They have issues in net. Boston, Linus Olmark is not the answer. And again, do you say we're trusting everything on the back of a young goalie in Jeremy Swayman? Robin Leonard is out for extended time period with the Vegas Golden Knights. As I said already, do they just punt the season down and say we're not worried about this year? We don't care. Edmonton doesn't have a goalie, and it's shown all season. Do they say we don't care about competing this year? A lot of teams need goalies. 
It's just a, what I think the price is. It depends on whether they take a flyer on a guy like Varlamov or they trade for him. Okay. I just – and I'm not saying he can't get traded. I'm not saying that, but he's definitely number two. Flurry's the first piece that has to go. That's all. Gotcha, Grumpy. Um, and then we've got here, uh, Varlamov could absolutely get you a first, says Matthew S. And then SP says, I think we can get a first-round pick uh, for Varlamov if a team is desperate enough. And that's the big thing. As coaches get to a time period like we need to – and general managers like we need to make the playoffs in order to make sure we keep our jobs – Let's go ahead and make sure that we're, we're making a push for this year. That's where you can kind of catch a team over the barrel. That's the best-case okay. scenario. Okay, if you're Edmonton, are you trading a first-round pick for Varlamov? Well, they Maybe. said explicitly beforehand, before the the firings they had, that no, we would not do that because we have, don't have our second, third, and fourth rounder for this year. So we would not trade a first. But if you're Edmonton, you want to keep Connor McDavid happy. You want to keep that fan base happy. You, I mean, you don't have a goalie. Because Neatson is not a good enough goalie for you. You just fired your coach. Yes. Are you trading a first-round pick for a goalie as well? I think the answer is no there. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10. They right now are one point out of a playoff spot. So are they doing that? Right, Vegas right now is in a playoff spot, but they're, it's really close. It's a dogfight. And you think to yourself, okay, Vegas now is without Robin Leonard. Do they just say we're scrapping the season? I don't think so. Well, I think you're going to wait a little while before you make a decision on Leonard. I don't know how long he's out for. I mean, can you make it two weeks without Robin Leonard? Maybe that's the way you look at it. I mean, you know, he's not out for the rest of the season. He's placed on injured reserve. Okay, but I don't know how long that means. Maybe they're happy with who their backup is right now. I don't know. I don't know what their record is in the last 10, so I can't comment on it. I mean, but. Last 10, 4-4-2. Four, four, okay. Well. Laurent Brassard is their backup goalie. And it's just whatever. It's not It's not ideal. That's all I'm going to say on that. And they've had injuries to Max Pacioretty. He's gone down. Uh, he went, his upper body was placed on uh, injury reserve. But from all indica indications, the transaction isn't as worrisome as it might appear. The Knights have to perform some sort of roster juggling uh, before the game. And Leonard was on the ice uh, to skate Friday in Arizona or in Arizona. Uh, for the second time in three days, he skated. Again, his is an upper body injury, but he is skating. So maybe he might be out for another two, three weeks. I don't know. Eh. Is Robin Leonard even a guy that you feel 100% confident is the goalie that could win you a cup? Those are all questions I think you ask. Okay. Is Varlamov? I mean, Robin Leonard was Varlamov before Varlamov. Flip that closer to your face there, Grumpy. Um, Alexander says here, Edmonton, Vegas, Boston, Colorado, all need a goalie. And you can get a first rounder there for them. Um, Christopher C says, Grumpy, be careful what you say. We're not going to make the playoffs. Remember what I said before. Teams choke near the end of the season. It happens before, whether you like it or not. It's happened before. Yeah, we're just a long ways out. And a lot of teams, I mean, still Detroit and Columbus are well ahead of us as well. I mean, you know, you got to pass. Columbus has been playing really, really well as of late. And Detroit is playing pretty good too, right? I mean. Well, we, we've got some things to talk about that in the chat we'll mention here. Alexander says, it needs to be changed, talking about overtime rules. Here's what you have to do. Have a 10-minute overtime, and if it ties after the first, uh, first overtime, then it's tied, and you just get a five-minute OT. And if uh, both, if it's a tie after that, both teams get a point. 
So you go have two different overtime periods, one that's 10 minutes, one that's five minutes. And if it's still tied, just both teams get a point. I like the way they do it in soccer. Three points for a win, one point for a tie, zero points for a loss. I love that. It, it makes teams play harder to get wins. Yep. And you can't just say, oh, we're, we're going we're gonna to ease off here at the end of the game and just keep it for the tie. You're going to have a lot of craziness at the end of the game. Warzone Warlord, as you like to call him, Grump, but Warzone Senior Citizen says, Lou is incompetent. How do you ask Lou to ever make a trade again? After you know he, after the after the the Taves and Palmieri nightmare, yeah, uh, that's that's what worries me. He's like in his eight, close to eighty now, if not eighty. It's yeah, that guy definitely he's all out to win it. Jeremy F saying here the Leafs were up seven to two. Correction, seven to six. Red Wings are clawing their way back. The Red Wings. Think about this game. It was seven to two. Toronto was up. The game has a minute left of action right now. Toronto is up ten to seven. Over the Detroit Red Wings. The Red Wings have scored five goals in the third period. Think about this. If you score seven goals and you lose. Okay, but wouldn't that be a fun game to watch? Oh, I'm sure it would. Sure it would. For sure. One nothing. One nothing. On a defensive zone turnover. Not covering a guy in the shorthand goal. Uh, Chris Smith saying here, Lee is also coming off an injury, so who knows how much that's affecting him. Yeah, he's also in his 30s too, as well, shall I say. I just, he's never been a great skater. He looks even slower now. You know, who knows? He's more than a year past the injury now. Dave C said, Grump, I'm wearing my fisherman jersey tonight. Yes. Car service caravan with 12 fans, 12 friends that are Kings fans. If you hear anything on the broadcast, that's me yelling at Barry. I, I guarantee if you're amongst a bunch of, Kings fans wearing jerseys, you will get on the show. Well, maybe they will be on TV, you. Dave, and we'll be looking for you. I'm absolutely going to be looking for you because unless they don't like the fisherman jersey or unless they want to do a segue into that the fisherman jersey is going to be the third jersey next year, maybe they pop you up there. We'll be looking, though, that's for certain. Angela N says, who do you think is going to win the cup this season? You talk about Florida not being – you're not going to be a real contender to win the cup. Who do you think is winning it? Tampa Bay or Carolina. Tampa Bay again. Or Carolina. Fair enough. Fair it's enough. not going to be. It won't be Florida. You, you don't think for a team from out west can win? If it's out west, it'll be Colorado. But they're going to have to make some moves at the deadline. That's that's their issue. You If you can shut down. Remember, you're not playing uh, you know, Arizona every game or yeah. some of the other crappy teams. You're going to be playing You're not playing teams. the Chicago Blackhawks and the Arizona Coyotes and the miserable Winnipeg Jets and the teams, you know, across, like, the Kraken on a consistent basis with the Sharks. Man, I know we lost to the Sharks. I didn't know the Sharks had fallen off the planet as of recent. I did not know. <laughs> They're second to last in their division. Yeah. And, you know, the whole thing is you have to have secondary scoring in the playoffs. And that's how teams have beaten Colorado in the past. They just say, we're not going to let – the uh, the McKinnon line beat us. Make it be somebody else. They haven't been able to do the job. That's why I think somebody like Josh Bailey could be somebody who'd be good for them. Max Power says here, Bailey for Taves, straight up. Oh, goodness. <laughs> With a ha-ha <laughs> laughing at the end. Mm -hmm. Alexander says, um, Andrew Burnett is the Panthers coach. My buddy says that they're winning it all this year, Grump. No, sorry. And don't tell me your uncle said that too, Alexander. 
Angela N says, do you think Lou is willing to make a big move this offseason? Has it in the past? Do you think this offseason is the year he makes a big move? I'd like to say yes, but I've been wrong every time I've said it. I'm going to say no. And actually, this is year where I feel that he will. But I'm just going to say no because I say no every year and I've been right every year. But this year, I think maybe he will. Mm. Um, Alexander saying Brock Besser over Philip Forsberg. Mm. I don't know. I think Forsberg's better. I think for if I'm if I'm picking one player, no cap implications, just saying who would I rather have my team? I'd rather have Philip Forsberg over Brock Besser. Forsberg is better, but I wouldn't mind bringing them both in. <laughs> Shit, man. I wouldn't mind bringing McDavid in and you know and hey, Brock uh, Besser is not Connor McDavid. One guy's an unrestricted free agent, the other guy you'd need to trade for, maybe moving Anthony Bavillier. Okay. I mean, that's I fine. Just, we haven't made many moves in the past offseason. You say we're not making any, and now we're opining that we could bring in Brock Besser and Philip Forsberg. You see what I mean there, Grumpy? Alexander said he wanted one over the other. I said, why not bring them both in? That's all I said. I didn't say it was going to happen, but it, you know, is a realm of possibility. You know, like eight goalies getting hurt or 15 wingers going down and then sliding Zach Parise up onto the first line. You know, that has a greater chance of happening, right? Tony Cheese, aka Tony Hopenny, <laughs> Tony Hopenny, you get it, girl? Says now I gotta think of poignant questions to get on the podcast. Gosh darn it, Tony no, Hopenny, new comment. If you say something, hey, remember that TJ's in charge of these, so I don't expect anybody from my friends uh, on Islanders Misery Rated R. Isles misery, Isles misery rated R. Okay, I'm sorry. And I always get that name. I don't know why. Jesus but Christ. They, they know I love them. They know it. But I don't expect to see many of their comments on here from now on. TJ. No, you see, we see comments there on that. For certain, we do, Grumpy. But anything that's funny or I think that you'll enjoy, I'll make sure we always post to. Uh, Frank K says, Detroit is going to have to reassess their goaltending. Yeah, Nadelkovich and Thomas Christ got shelled. But, I mean, the defense has been woeful for them today, too. Nick Luddy oh. plays in their defense court, doesn't he? Speaking of that, Matthew S. says, check Nick Letty's plus minus. Woof. There you go. And who, is there some people want to sign him back? Really? That's, okay. a, that's a guy. That's, he just been, that's the guy we kept over Devontae's, who was younger and cheaper and better. <laughs> go figure. That's what happens when you let a coach make a decision, Lou. That's why the general manager, guess what, coach? I tell you who's going to be on your team. So these are this is Nick Letty's stat line. He is well on his way to having the worst plus minus possibly in the NHL. He maybe might eclipse that career low with the Islanders back during Doug Waite with a minus 42. Right now he is minus 27. I have no idea what his current minus is tonight, but I'm assuming it's not pretty. I'm just saying as a defenseman, you kind of want your plus minus to not be underwater, so to speak. He hasn't had a positive plus minus since 2014-15 when he was 23 years old. Think about zero, that. I guess is neutral, but that's not, that's not over zero. I'm just saying zero is neutral. It's not. Okay. That, so zero is good enough for you, right? Okay. It's not the end of the world. It's better than freaking minus 27. What's Devon Taves now? Can you pull up Devon Taves? Um, yeah, Devon Taves. I, they actually don't think I've been keeping stats on him this season. I don't I know. What it's it's an ad. I was trying to get I was trying to get the minus that he had tonight. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Thank you, Grumpy, for that one. No problem. Uh, his minus tonight. Let's see. Nick Letty was 
does it matter? Yeah, it does. Nick Letty was a zero tonight. There not you go. plus and not minus. He played 24 minutes tonight, and out of the 10 to 7 loss, he was at a zero. Okay, here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to say minus 27. Thanks, Matthew, asked for, for bringing that up. But minus 27, Grump. Minus 27. What are Devon Taves' numbers? Can you pull him up real quick? Yeah, can you give can you give me just a moment? Yeah, no problem, because I'm interested to see, since uh, Devon Taves hasn't had a plus-minus over zero since uh, he was 23 years old. No, 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 Nick Letty. Nick, Nick Letty, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just interested to see what is with Devon Taves. That's all. He's leading the NHL in plus-minus with plus 42. He's never had a minus in his whole career. Interesting. Okay. For everyone who says he's a liability defensively, you know, he had to go because he wasn't good enough on the defensive zone. Well, I don't know. Whatever he's doing, he's doing it right. Looks like he's doing pretty good at Colorado, too. John Smith saying all the defensemen should be fired on both the Detroit Red Wings and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Good Lord. Bet you that Jack Campbell piece of garbage was in net. Um, I'm not sure. Let me see here. Uh, I'm sure. Well, hell, it's he scored. Yeah, seven goals. Yeah, he wasn't that. He had 25 shots against. He gave up five goals on 25 shots. Then they put Peter Mrazek in, who gave up uh, two goals on eight shots. So, well, they're both like uh, what 80 percent and 75 percent save percentage. Really good. Not good. Uh, well, here you go. We got a comment: 800 and then 80 percent, 75 percent. Frank K saying Toronto up by a field goal, ten to seven. I thought that was funny. They hit that last second field goal, put the game away. John Smith said, "Imagine scoring seven goals and losing." The Islanders did that under Capuano a few times, didn't they? You mean Doug Waite? Yeah, I'm sorry. What's the difference? Jeez, Grumpy, come they on, Grump. come on, Grump. We're in the home stretch, man. Michael W is saying here, if the Islanders' core is in their prime and the organization is in win now mode, does trading for draft picks help us now? Youth doesn't play with this management team. I think that the shitty part is we're past the prime, and, it, and the, I think the organization thinks that we're still in the window of winning. And just, I feel like maybe has closed, and and I and we're going to be throwing good money after bad, perhaps. That's the whole thing. We're no longer in our prime. We're past our prime. If you're in your prime, that's one thing, but we're past our prime. Mm. And they got a comment here from Alexander saying, "Thanks, guys. Isabella and Caleb are their names." Nice um, to see very beautiful young children. I love them. Frank Hayes saying, "I never want to see a tie ever again. I hate ties. He doesn't like ties in the sport, Grump." I'm just saying, you know, when the game's going to end, I'm not saying playoff hockey, but it gives teams an incentive to win games in the last couple of minutes. You play for, hey, we need we need that three points to make the playoffs at the end. Oh, yeah, I, I, it would make I think it would make the end of games more enjoyable. That's for certain. Um, but uh, and SP says, yeah, that's right. TJ Forsberg's better now, but Brock Besser is two years younger. I don't think Besser's ever going to be Forsberg. SP also says here, the Canadians have won five straight games. Do they have a chance to beat the 2022 St. Louis Blues? The, the St. Louis Blues have passed now under Marty St. Louis. I think that's so. an interesting question. Yeah, there's not enough games left. Sorry, no. But I, it shows I, what a good coach can do when he just isn't a slave to the system and he loosens the reins a little bit. Look at the young guys, how they're performing. It's not a shock. To me, it's not. 
the Montreal Canadiens, I mean, I, I wonder if right they go long term as Marty St. Louis is the coach. Right? He's the interim guy, correct? Why not? I was about to say that's that's what I'm saying, right? He's he's done a good thing for the team. I think the team has been playing really good hockey. So I could see it. I could see it. I mean, they they're playing, I mean, they're playing good hockey right now. They're scoring and, and Cole Caulfield's getting back involved. He's scoring goals. It seems like everything he touches finds the way into the back of the net. Matthew B says Barry sucks. And Tony Hopenny says, Yeah, I burned TJ twice and he skipped over them, Grumpy. Oh, you can just expect that from now on. Grumpy Hope, t- t- Tony Cheese, Tony Cheese is messing with you, Grumpy. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I'm not allowed to read the comments, first of all. You I'm not allowed to select comments. I'm not allowed to look at comments. I'm not allowed to do anything with comments. But I know he's going to cut off the Isles misery rated R people. Holy shit. We just know. went over it again, and you couldn't even remember the name, Grumpy. Paulo C said, yes, Grumpy. It should be three points for a win. Uh, but only two or only after 60 minutes. If it goes to overtime or shootout, it's two points, and an overtime loss is one point. You That's interesting. As I was to say, it sounds complex. I, it might be a little too complex for the fans. Got to keep it simple. Three three for a win, one for a tie, zero for a loss. Tony Hopenny says, I bet TJ goes to the Raves on the DL, popping some E ecstasy and smoking the jazz cabbage. No. Uh, and then, yeah, Max Bauer saying here, yeah, the Devon Taves trade was down, or hands down, the worst trade Lou has ever made, maybe of all time in Lou's career. It was brutal. It was brutal. Ugh. That's the GM of the year, guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, who's, who's this year's GM of the year? You got to go Eisenman, don't you? Well, hold on. We should have already given Lou Lamarillo GM of the year before the season started. Remember, the Very Good Islander site reminded us of that. SP said Taves benefits from being uh, Kale McCarr's partner, but you know the same could be said for McCarr. Best pairing in the NHL. Yep, they both yeah. benefit from each other for sure. It's good. not like he's out there with Sedano Chara or Andy Green. And he's playing. <laughs> he's, they're, they're playing a boatload of minutes, like 24, 25 minutes a night. Let's see um, how they. Do, let's see how that goes in the playoffs, but still. Max P says here, yeah, underweight, we lost a ton of games scoring five or more goals. Yeah, it's yep. tough. Uh, Alexander says, fire Barry. Guess we got the fire Barry going on. Tony Hopenny says, I said, you wear soft helmets when you go to live sporting events. Yeah, that's it. I wear a little stuff, a little soft helmet. Um, and then Grumpy is Bailey a second liner. Oh, no, no way. Nope. No way. Nope. Um, and then the Blue Jays beat the Tigers. 10 to 7. Oh, man, I like Apollo. But Pitcher's duel. Pitcher's duel. We are here at the end of today's podcast. What do you want to say before we wrap things up today? I want to say love and laughter to everyone who listens, and even those who don't, from TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the podcast. The Islanders are going to be on here in the next 10 minutes or so, so make sure you're watching the Islanders face off against the Los Angeles Kings. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, thank you, everybody, for the comments there. We'll be changing it up. I think today it gives us a way we don't have, you know, we're not reading every single comment, so it can keep the podcast, you know, on a reasonable time limit and just looking for items that are going to promote more talk. We'll have more guests on, especially as the season continues to spiral out of control and as the playoffs look more and more fleeting as it becomes mathematically impossible for us to make the playoffs but thank you again grumpy old man for being a part of this podcast and thank you Eddie, for tuning in and your in your comments we really do appreciate them thank you grumpy my pleasure